Well, hello there, dead and lovely listeners. Welcome to the brand newest installment of your brand favoritest, bestest horror movie review podcast in this galaxy or why I think about any other. And why is dad and lovely here with your best pals in all the known land? It's Uncle Ben Eller. Oh, snapping. Getting a little jam going on here. Who's that over there? Hollywood Steve. Hollywood Steve. Hollywood Steve. Hollywood Steve. Wow. Ginger stands. <laughs> a little jazzy intro yeah. there, huh? Just jazzing it up, well, man. Well, Ginger can snap, I can too. Why not, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not just for the ladies. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> How you been doing this week, Steve? I've been a busy, busy boy. What you yeah, been doing? Yeah, I have been. I have, I've also been a busy, busy boy. You're a big boy. Because, and I'm gonna, I'm, uh, what, what see, here we're, here, here's the thing. Okay, all right, all break right. it down, break it down. So, I had been planning on creating a second podcast. Mm-hmm, yeah, Turning getting too us, good for me, are you? No, no. You'll never be nothing without me. No, man, <laughs> you've got to be involved. So, I had been planning to do a second podcast, and... Th- I was going to do an interview podcast, but it was it, it, the equipment was going to cost a bit of money. And uh, oh, there's always a little startup fee, yeah. always, yeah. So anyway, Kev Bickerdack asked why we don't cover more pre 1970s Hollywood mm, from the old pre 1970s horror movies, ancient movies, ancient movies, way back in the day. And uh, as I was formulating an answer for him, I realized like that there's an audience out there for some more historical horror. People like that classic shit. Some people are way interested in that. But there are podcasts out there that already cover those movies. I'd rather cover the history. The history of it, you say? Yeah. I want to talk about how like these writers and, and directors and, and uh, great Hollywood and uh, all over the world horror stars came about. Okay. So I like uh, that. I'm I'm gonna start a podcast doing that. The first season of it will be just basically an overview of the history of horror cinema. I like that a lot. I yeah. look forward to checking that out. You got a name for this project? I don't. So what the hell's? Let's get a name. We uh, need some snappy. I need some suggestions. Anybody has any ideas? Uh, I am so boring when I try to come up with titles. Mm. I thought of a history of horror cinema. I mean, that is exactly wow. what it is. Nobody yeah. could ever get after mm-hmm. you for being like, this is not yeah. as advertised. Yeah. And my wife, of course, uh, pitched Horrifino. Oh, Horrifino. You know, that thing. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if that exactly <laughs> she, sounds right. She, she loved it. She's, I mean, I like she's it. She's probably laughing her ass off listening to this right now because she's like, it's great. It has a certain charm to it. Sure. It has a certain that charm. Is, I don't think that would be it. Hollywood Steve's horror history. Okay, maybe. You know? That's I, know. Right, maybe. I mean, I'd like to know what our, our listeners would suggest to that. Yeah. So be so sure to drop those on the Facebook page. Give us stuff. some suggestions. Tweet uh, at us, whatever. We'll figure something out. I've I've already started the research though, and I plan on getting some sort of preview out by the end of this month or the beginning of next. So that'll be on our feed. Yeah, yeah. And then the the show itself will be a separate podcast. And I'll be able to say Man, I used to do a show with that guy before he got all famous. <laughs> well, it'll technically be part of what would then be the Dead and Lovely Podcast Network. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. Okay, that sounds right there. Yeah. Very good, man. So, we'll also so have well. our, our Smoking Bowls podcast where Hell we talk yeah. about history's hottest bowl cuts. 
Yes, <laughs> with Ryder Strong. Ryder Strong and yeah. uh, Ryder Strong. Yeah, we'll DiCaprio. Have him and JTT coming. DiCaprio had a good bulk cut oh, at times damn. too, man. And you know he's not doing anything right now. Now nah, we'll get him you on. You know there. he wants to be on a podcast, <laughs> talking about his former bowl cut that he used to have when he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, he seems <laughs> like the type of guy who has a sense of humor about himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Steve, I need to wet my whistles. Your Me whistle too. dry. My whistle is dry as hell. Man, I ha- how about we get into this thing right here? We got ourselves a discretion brewing yeah. raspberry smile. Tart raspberry ale with hibiscus. And this is this is perfect because it is, what is it? Uh, Pretty early in the day. Yeah, it's, it's, two, it's not even three yet. So right now. This is a 4.7% alcohol. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. As am I. This was sent in to us by a podcast friend. Uh, yeah, Patrick, right? That's right. Yeah, this came from Patrick. So, yeah, let's get into it. It describes itself as raspberries and hibiscus bring happy pink flavors and fruity aromas to this tart and refreshing beer. It tastes like a smile. Do, huh? <laughs> it tastes like lips and teeth. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> or does it taste <laughs> like one of those, like, wax lips? Oh, I, That's God. even worse. What was the fucking part of those? I'd rather eat someone's lips and teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's lips and teeth, said Dahmer. We carefully source our ingredients to support sustainable farming and solar energy. Lens powered our brewing process. Learn more at discretionbrewing.com. Very cool. Look forward to checking this out. That's a beautiful, attractive, uh, nice deep red color there. It's not really a pinkish. Wow, it's a yeah. nice red looking ale you got over there. What's that do for you? Anything good? It um, is very refreshing. Yeah, that's what I wanted, really. It's it's raspberry, but not like um, not overly so. It's also not too sweet. Okay, yeah, because a lot yeah. of times raspberry stuff just becomes a sugar bomb, and it's not not good, you know. Yeah, it's it's pretty dry. Oh, it smells great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm digging it. Oh yeah, that's what you mm-hmm. mean. It is like it is tart in the same way that a real raspberry is tart. Yep. It doesn't taste like a raspberry cream saver or like piece of candy or anything like Mm-mm. that. No, that's the, good. The hibiscus is more like a. A little bit of a background tea flavor. Yeah. Like, it, it has a little bit of a background flavor mm-hmm. of, like, an herbal tea. Kinda, it kind of makes it a little more refreshing. Yeah, I think so, tea, too. I don't know why tea is really refreshing to me. And this is very nicely effervescent as well. Mm-hmm. Quite carbonated, which makes it, I think, even more palatable. Yeah. That's really good. I like that I'm a lot, man. It. Discretion yeah. Brewing fucks, man. <laughs> they sure they do. They fuck, for they sure. Fuck. <laughs> awesome stuff, man. You been watching anything good this week? Uh, yeah, I watched the most recent season of Archer, Archer 1999. That, again, is another show on my list of things I know that I should watch. You definitely should. Archer yeah. is great, and uh, it's it's one of those shows that I think uh, has improved um, as the seasons build. I, I know some people didn't love Archer 1999, but for me, it was amazing because there was so much like homage to sci-fi and stuff that uh, I love. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say that I watched some of season one. I want to say I watched like two episodes or something yeah, like maybe. that. So I remember like, mm-hmm. this is how we get ants or whatever yeah. it is he uh-huh. says. Uh-huh. Do you want ants? This is how you get ants. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I remember that, but I don't remember yeah. much else about it. Yeah, the, the humor is great. It's from the guys who did C-Lab 2021 oh, and Frisky Dingo. Frisky Dingo is, is... Also on my list of shit I need to you watch. You gotta watch, yeah. You guys even loaned us the, the DVDs. True, yeah. I don't um, gotta watch it yet. Frisky Dingo is one of the... Uh, shows that my wife and I watched early on when we were dating yep. and it uh, I guess it was like clued us both into our senses of humor because it's really dark uh, it, like one of the first things that happens in the first episode is 
a, a, a large alien uses a man's dead body as a puppet. <laughs> Love it. To his twin brother. Oh, God. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's pretty brutal. That's awesome. Yeah, so the new season's good though. Should check it out. It, yeah, yeah. It's fucking awesome. I I really enjoyed it. I mean, you would love it because it just has so many sci-fi references that you'll catch that are just from uh, you know some of the most popular sci-fi movies and then some more obscure stuff for sure. Okay, but it, it's great. Right on, man. I also read Misery. Oh, you've been doing a little book reading, huh? I've been doing a little book reading. Oh, man. Whatever, nerd. Yeah. What are you trying to read for, nerd? I, know. I just thought, like, what do these symbols mean? Oh, man. These those... little squiggles all make a sound, and those sounds tell a story. <laughs> I gotta crap. know more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if that happened to, like, somebody who was just, like, a bully his whole life, but at, like, 40 or something, he was like, what do these squiggles mean? <laughs> They finally sat down. They tell a story. And he was like entering the world of his imagination. It's a movie in my in my brain. <laughs> this is something else. He just goes knocking on doors to nerds he used to beat up. Dude, books. These things are sick, dude. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that would be awesome. And then the, the funny thing is, though, is then the nerd is standing at the door with like his like Kindle or e-reader, and he yeah. slaps the book out of the bully's hand. Nerd. Uh. Do you know how many trees the paper industry eats up? They bullies them. Yeah, he bullies them into becoming environmentalists. <laughs> God damn it. These nerds it's out a vicious here cycle. got bullies reading books, saving the environment. Shit. <laughs> Eating kale. All Eating kinds kale. of things. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, but so yeah, how's misery. the book? I've not read that. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you pretty much got it because the book has that great level of intensity to it. Like it really does such a, a great job of keeping you on edge. You the think that's whole one of the, the better like Stephen King you know, book to movie translations? Yeah, I would say so. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, so we should probably do it next week. We should probably do it next week. So right, I guess let's that's do what it we're next week. Do. Right. Sounds good. Sounds like you've been prepping for it anyway. Yeah. So, you <laughs> yeah. Know. That's why I read Misery actually, because I thought this is one time where because the book's not that long. You audio in that thing? No, I actually read it off of the the thing, the squiggles. I really? Read the squiggles. Did you do it like Floyd, the cashier at Walmart, where he would stand there with his romance novels at arm length and read them? <laughs> Good old Floyd. Floyd. <laughs> oh, man. Are uh, you like doing curls with one arm and like holding your book at arm's distance and reading it with the other? Because that's what I'm picturing. You, remember, you may not remember this. Remember WIMZ here in Knoxville is the classic rock classic station. Classic rock radio. For a while, they had a billboard that had Floyd from Mayberry, but he was pink. No. It was awesome. I don't get it. Okay. Um, there's a band. So Yeah. Okay, bands. You get those? It's uh it's like a group of musicians. A group of musicians, yes. Yeah. Musicians they're getting together, they're playing together. Uh-huh. This band's name was Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the Floyd on the billboard uh-huh. was the color pink. Was he in the band? Yep. Oh, okay, he was the barber. Uh, oh, <laughs> he was the band he was barber. barber in yeah. the band. Mm-hmm. Got he got it. kicked out for taking too much acid. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. All right, I That's, got. It. Uh, I follow now. Yeah, you know, two lost souls swimming in a fish bowl. Talking about Floyd. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I need to check that out. You do need to check it out. Yeah, re- you should check. You should read Misery. It's it's short. 
and uh, effective. Right on, man. Yeah. Right on. Dude, I, I have had time to watch or read a thing. Yeah, I understand. This week. You've been it on is, that work. It has just been total chaos, man. This past weekend, I just spent uh, just outside of lovely Orlando, Florida, where I was playing the Planes, Trains, and Barbecue Festival with Kennedy Wood Band, our little Southern Rock outfit. Uh-huh. It's actually the first show that we've played in like a while. Uh, so there's like a lot of material to review because we played like a 90 minute set. So I had to review a lot of songs and stuff. We got together for like one, mm-hmm. you know, kind of half ass practice before right. the festival. <laughs> so you're just like, let's hope for the best. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a super last minute thing that yeah. we got involved in because one of the main headliner acts dropped out and they just happened to get a hold of us and get us in in time. And dude, it was and one yeah, of... Yeah, like they didn't drop out because you hit them in the knee with a lead pipe or anything. No, I mean, I didn't. Why? I didn't. <laughs> the old Tanya Harding. Why, why, why in the end did we all end up just hating Nancy Kerrigan somehow? <laughs> did we? Was that I, a I mean, like people made fun of her, like why? <laughs> and then like they make a movie, I, Tanya, where in the end it's kind of like, oh, Tanya's not so bad. And it's like, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. Mean, Actually, like Nancy Kerrigan wasn't like because she was painted as this like rich bitch. Yeah, totally. Back in the day, yeah, and it, that was not the case. <laughs> I was like easily the most WWF thing to ever happen. Yes, in, in the Olympics. Skating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> they had fucking cameras on it like that was the wwf part yeah like we should have just heard about it yeah not like tons of cameras like whoa what the fuck <laughs> you got hit with a lead pipe huh crazy <laughs> why yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so dude that fest was great it was awesome going down there and enjoying a little bit of florida sunshine yeah and uh, the lady that kind of put the whole festival together, Sherry, uh, was just, Sherry's fucking awesome, man. She put mm-hmm. the whole thing on, and it was the most well-organized festival I think I've ever played. It's awesome. Everything was spot on time. All the artists were really well taken care of and stuff. Oh, yeah. Really awesome people down there. We had a great time. But I also spent a lot of my downtime before the festival going over tunes and charting out songs and stuff for the next gig that I have this weekend Yeah. at VGM Con playing with the hit points vgm that's the song i think so that's the jam yeah. oh is it yeah that's <laughs> all it all right good i leave on uh friday to uh to minneapolis where i'm predicting it's mm. going to be a little colder than it was in florida i think probably a little pretty bit. sure yeah i'm not exactly sure about mm. that but maybe all- maybe take a light jacket okay yeah it's a lot of freaking material and the songs are hard so i am just working like crazy if you guys haven't listened to the hit points they're a kind of a new grass bluegrass style band that does video game music covers and it's everything from like classic stuff like you know double dragon and all that yeah. jazz all the way up to some of the more recent games and stuff one of my my favorite absolute nes tunes always will be the uh punch out theme oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah classic. Like, man. I I would uh, I'd like to hear a bluegrass tune of that. I like that. Well, they're always looking for more tunes and stuff to yeah. add too. You know, so if there's anything that like you think of in any of those old school games and stuff yeah. that you think would make great uh, tunes for them to do, let me know and I'll yeah. I'll be sure to point it their way. Check them out. Some of the music from Slaughter or not Slaughterhouse, uh, Splatterhouse. Splatterhouse, yeah. Had some really yeah. dope soundtrack stuff in that. I love the Castlevania soundtrack. Oh man. Oh man, so many good ones to mm-hmm. choose from in that stuff. So. Getting ready for that gig. It's pretty stressful, but hey, if you're in the Minneapolis area, come out and see me. I'll be there uh, playing on Saturday. Come on up and see me come on sometime. Come up and see me sometime, but we'll be there hanging out for the rest of the con and everything, too. I look forward to going because I've never been to a video game convention. 
So I don't know what I, to expect. I have not either. I've never been to a convention of any sort, I don't oh, yeah? think. Huh. I mean, I think I went to some sort of convention with my mom when I was little at like a, a big like convention center. I don't remember what it was for, but I remember not having fun. Ah. So maybe that's always colored my view of conventions. <laughs> They're all the same. Well, if anybody's out there in Minneapolis going to VGM Con, just be sure to come and see us and hang out and stuff. I actually got to hang out with some dead and lovelies, some deadites oh, yeah. over there in Florida, man. Oh, yeah. I saw a picture of this. Yeah. Good old Justin and Minda came mm-hmm. out to the show, which is cool because I know that that's not really, you know, their kind of music, this little southern rock and roll that we yeah. play. Not really their kind of thing, but I hey. I know. It's only rock and roll. Hey, but I like but it. I like it. I like it. Really cool to hang out with them. We ha- we hung out and probably talked about movies and shit for like an hour or so oh, that's after awesome. the show. So always cool to get to travel places and meet people that are fans of the podcast. Yeah, good times, man. That's great. But I ain't had time to watch jack shit eh, because that's of understandable. that. I missed the streaming chat as usual. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I mean, like if you had a Friday night off, you might be a redneck. You might, you might be a redneck. <laughs> One day we're gonna have to do like a a streaming chat on like a Sunday and set it up so that international listeners can also join. Oh, okay. That way we could all get together and watch. I don't know. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. The Wraith. It's gonna, uh, we're gonna watch the Wraith. I, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yes, that would be great. I'm a fan. That's actually perfect for a streaming <laughs> chat. What'd you guys watch this week? Uh, well, um, Dave Barnett suggested doing the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, but like turns out hundred years old now. Uh huh. Yeah, it turns out he had not seen a silent film, so I suggested uh, that we do a shorter one just to see how he did with a, a shorter silent film. So we did the Edison Film Company's 1910 production of Frankenstein. Wow. Which, if you've never seen this, go check it out. It's only 15 minutes, and uh, it's the first adaptation of Frankenstein on film. Uh, it has a pretty cool special effect that where uh, it's it's a loose adaptation, and the creation of Frankenstein is basically like a chemical process. Huh, but okay. like... What they did was they made like a, 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 a flesh thing and caught it on fire and then they reversed the film. So it looks oh, like it's okay. like rising up out of this cauldron and becoming flesh. It's a pretty cool effect That's really for dope, 1910. Man. Dude, can you imagine how terrified a early to middle teenage Joe Biden was when he saw that in theaters? <laughs> <laughs> can you even imagine? I bet he turned to his wife. And said, "Oh dear, <laughs> this is a bunch a of mal- that's a bunch of malarkey." Let me smell your hair. <laughs> I, I can't do a Delaware impression. What does it sound like? I'm not really beige. Sure. <laughs> yeah, things yeah. like that. <laughs> anyway, we so we watched that, and then Dave Barnett realized he did not want to sit through. <laughs> there you go. Seventy minutes of a, a silent film. So we did Motel Hell. Which was no better for him. <laughs> I've never seen that, but I've heard it's it, it's just cuckoo bananas. It's crazy. It? Yeah, yeah, it is wild. There are uh, zombies planted in the ground with snorkels that they get fed through, and what? it's it's you got to see it to believe it. But also, it's really not worth seeing. <laughs> okay, I mean, it, it has like a cult following, and some people who just heard me say that are probably upset. But as someone who didn't see it as a kid. 
It's dumb. Okay. It's kind of really yeah. dumb. And maybe you would like it though. I mean, sometimes, you sometimes I like things really that are really bad. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe it'd be, maybe it'd work. Yeah, okay you for might me. like it. I mean, because it, it it had like a just a slight tinge of society vibe, I guess, where maybe they were trying to say something with it, but I couldn't really catch what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it it was weird. It right was, I mean, it it definitely uh, worked for a Friday night streaming chat because there was a ton to talk shit about. <laughs> right on, man. Well, yeah. and if anybody ever wants to join in and, and talk shit yeah, on some movies. Yeah, come on over to the Discord on Friday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Talk uh, some shit. Talk some shit. <laughs> I, we, I mean, we rarely miss a Friday because my wife usually works on Friday nights, so it's uh, no big deal for me. So come hang out. Come hang out and talk some shit on some yeah. shitty movies and stuff with us. For real. Now, Steve, the topic of today's show is none other than a ginger snaps. A ginger snaps. It's called an ginger snaps. It's about two high school girls making cookies. That's right. Yeah. And of course, it comes from the great white north. It does. Our great northern neighbors uh-huh. up in Canada. Yeah, those people, they got that health care up there. They're just chilling. Their money, their money is really maxing. goofy. Going to Tim Hortons. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, head on over to the A&W Canada. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah. People be digging it. <laughs> and this, of course, is not the only Canadian horror movie that's ever been made. There's more no, of them. there are others. And eh? some of them are pretty fucking good. That's true. Now, I say before we get into our breakdown of Ginger Snaps from the year 2000. From the year. From the year 2000. (laughs) Conan. How about we just take ourselves a little detour into that preview palace? Welcome to the preview palace. And let's talk about some of our other favorite Canadian horror movies, Steve. Now, whenever we started talking about some of our favorite Canadian Uh horror flicks, Let's just go ahead and get the obvious out of the way. The yeah. king of Canadian horror. Black Christmas. That's right. Yeah. I was going for a David Cronenberg, but we'll get to him <laughs> in a second too. But no, Black Christmas is definitely an extremely yeah. magnificently important flick. Yeah. Some call it the first slasher. Yeah, Cronenberg is the king of Canadian horror. For oh, yeah. Sure. We got a bunch, yeah. of, bunch of him on this list too. Right. <laughs> but Black Christmas, we did on the show a while back. Yeah. And it's awesome, yeah, and I love the movie, say, full of snarky females. Yeah, I would say, of all the films we're going to talk about, it's right up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of the top ones for one sure, of man. The tops. I mean, The Fly, of course. Oh, yeah, that's the that, best. That, that was still Canadian Cronenberg. We're not going to name every Cronenberg movie, because he's, he's done a bunch of Hollywood pictures, too. But, um, yeah, Black Christmas just... It, it's It's got so much of uh, the the future of the slashers and i love slashers and it also has that like really strong like female presence in margot kidder who's mm-hmm. just like doesn't give a fuck what anybody fuck, thinks man yeah no yeah i i really enjoy that and it also i i like the ending the ambiguous ending. oh god yeah. see i love the ending of the movie yeah. too i think that's part of what makes it just so disturbing that like pan out shot yeah. where you see him going up to the house mm-hmm but you know that there's still the corpse with the bag over its head yes. in the attic. Like they haven't even found that up there, so there are other bodies. Yeah, man. Yeah, God, it's, it's great. It's great. And even like the the prank phone calls and stuff in there are like They're disturbing sick, yeah. as fuck. Uh-huh. They're really pretty, Real pretty weird. rough, like actually. The, the weird crying and stuff and yeah. laughing. And like and the two voices. The weird noises and the pig noises. Yeah, and, yeah, dude. What the fuck? 
Yeah, so it's one of those that like a lot of a lot of those like old classic historic horror movies. Like you watch them and it's like, yeah, but it kind of sucks by today's right. standards. That's still a pretty cool movie. Yeah, it's still a cool movie. I like that one. What about another holiday favorite from the Great White North? <laughs> a Bloody Valentine. A Bloody Valentine. So we just did this on Valentine's Day for uh, the Friday night streaming chat, and and uh, it it's uh, it's a fun movie. It definitely, I think it loses steam at points, and I don't care for a whodunit too much, uh, especially because there were so many in the 80s, mm-hmm. and it just got boring. Right. But this was an early one. This was 1980, so they were definitely doing something interesting at the time. Uh, it doesn't hold up as much as some other slashers do, but it's it's still fun, and there's a cute girl in it. There you go. What else could you ask for? <laughs> exactly. And there's a guy who looks like Edmund Kemper. So there that's you go. always fun. And he's not the killer. He's a good guy. <laughs> now, whenever we're talking about Cronenberg, like what's yeah. some of your favorites? Because like I said, that's yeah. the undisputed heavyweight champion. I mean, you know, obviously horror. The Fly, which is a, yeah. an awesome fucking episode awesome. of our podcast. I can say that. Yeah, that, that's true too. We dunked on it. Yeah, we, we, were did, like, we did. We dunked all over. What's up, <laughs> the fly? <laughs> I love the fly. There, we posterized it. There's a picture of us like this, and the fly's head just right in our crotch. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're dunking on, dunking it. on it. <laughs> I think that was probably my favorite, but he's got so many other cool ones too, man. Mm-hmm. Videodrome. Yes, I want to cover yeah. on the show sometime. Videodrome. We're, we're going to have to get to. Um, yeah. To to stick with his Canadian ones, there's what, like breeders. That I've one. never seen that. That's one. a weird one. I've heard I like that, that is very one. strange. Uh-huh. Scanners, of course. Scanners obviously. is great. Yeah. So those are the, like his Canadian films for sure. His later films, of course, we'll get to too. Existence is one that I fucking love. I've heard you talk about it's it, but a, I don't think I've ever seen it either, it's man. It's a video game based. Yeah. And man, just so fucking good. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Jude Law, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, just so good. It's like 98 or 99, so it also has a, a 2000s feel like this one does. Yeah? Like, it has that, like, late 90s, early 2000s feel, but it, it it's so weird and interesting. Cronenberg's stuff just has this weird, deeply psychological, yeah. fucked up thing that's kind of, like, kind of David Lynch-y at times. Yes. But it, I, I think it, like, with David Lynch, it's like, the there doesn't have to be a point yeah i think there is something to cronenberg like there he's he's getting at something like you know with the body horror at the very least he's getting at how weird and gross and strange our bodies are and that is something that like yeah it it hits you sometimes like you'd just be sitting there thinking and just like suddenly think too much about your knee and then you're like fucking weird when you become like, aware of your tongue floating right around in your yeah head. it's like why well, don't, don't think about it yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he really knows how to tap into that and get really fucking freaky and gross yeah, with video it. drums crazy yeah. yeah i mean dude between the weird like snm murder tv uh-huh. show that's on blondie's in it blondie is <laughs> in there true. looking great man yeah. debbie harry looks Debbie-Harry's smoking great, in that yeah. movie and then like the dude like pulls that gun like out yeah. of his stomach yeah that's uh james james uh what's his name Fuck. james woods yeah, yeah james woods is in that yeah that fucking guy yeah that fucking guy we'll have to do that one on the show yeah, sometime for sure. for sure man yeah i love some cronenberg stuff what about a uh what about a, a prom night Prom Night, yeah. Again, another special occasion horror Uh, movie. I didn't know that Prom Night was Canadian. It is, and stars, um, you know. Jaime Lee Curtis. Jaime Lee Curtis. (laughs) So, Prom Night isn't great, but it is 
fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah it's not exactly fantastic. Yeah, because, like, it's really not what you... Especially, especially if you're like me, grew up with uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which is uh, a 11-year-old boy's fantasy to rent because... There were boobies in it. Look out. I remember loving that movie as a kid. It is terrible. Uh, but watching Prom Night and expecting that, I was just so disappointed in Prom Night. <laughs> it's just not that. It is kind of boring. Kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not fantastic. Not you know, Pontypool. Yeah. That's a Canadian one. That's a great one. It's actually pretty awesome, man. Has a, an ending I'm not sure about. I yeah. don't think I really like the yeah. ending, but like, Man, the, 90% everything percent else of the movie, of it, yeah. I loved it. It's all this yeah. just like unseen, like, what the fuck is going on out there? I love Pontypool, yeah. Because essentially I, just a DJ in, st- you know, stuck in a radio station uh-huh. hearing news reports about what the fuck's going on and outside. That, well, he's, and he's reporting, like, we're getting the exposition through this radio DJ who's basically just reporting everything that's happening, but we're not seeing it, but it's building all this tension, and then it's sort of comes into the radio station and we're getting to see it and he's reporting it as it's happening i love that whole premise yeah me it's, too it really builds the tension but yeah then the the ending i i don't dislike the ending i don't get the ending and I, i've watched the movie three times i'm still trying to figure out where what it was going for because I, I really think the movie is going for something it's trying yeah, it to say something but it's so muddled at the end it's it's unclear it's still worth a watch though. it's worth a Definitely watch worth for a sure watch. i i really enjoy that movie i think you also mentioned wolf cop which yes. is one i've never seen what if the you fuck is wolf, seen wolf cop? cop you need to see wolf cop okay i mean there are two great werewolf movies from uh from canada apparently there's ginger snaps and there's wolf cop i and assume this is about a cop who's a werewolf yep he's a cop i'm on board gets turned into a werewolf and the transformation sequence is fucking amazing. Yeah. Then his dick explodes. What? Yes. <laughs> you have to see Wolf Cop. Holy shit. Wolf Cop is so fucking awesome. Dude. And he also, at one point, there's a photo shoot where he, or just like a photo taken of him, where he does like the Burt Reynolds pose, that mm. classic. Oh, yeah. Like, furry pose. Yeah. Sounds like this is a winner. It's a fucking... It's awesome. And the story is weird. It's strange. It goes a uh, completely different direction than you think. But... I like that. It's it's fun. I had... I have a, so... I like... Because we... I, we watched it one Friday night um, because of a Joe Bob stream. Uh, That's... I don't know when that's coming back. I will be so happy when it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Joe, uh, Joe Bob Briggs did it. And... Uh, I remember just, this is my second time watching it, and the whole time watching it being like, yes, this movie is great. It stands up, so you gotta watch Wolf Cop. Dang, dude. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm sold. Yeah. Sounds like it's gonna be a good time whenever I check that one out. Of course, there's a lot of other great Canadian horror flicks that I'm sure that we forgot about or, or missed out on. We probably didn't name your favorite. Oh, yeah. That's uh, definite. It's almost like we did that, so you'd be like, hey... Maybe I can post favorite? about that on the Facebook group or something. And then we'd be like, cool, and add it to our list. There you go. Yeah. So be sure to comment on the uh, on the Facebook page and stuff. Let us know your favorite 
uh, horror films from the Great White North. Yeah. Our friends in Canada, America's know, Hat. We have some friends up there. I know. I know uh, Steph Boychuk listening right now. That's right. Hey, what's up? What's Canadian? up, Canadian? Right. Tell us your favorite Canadian horror films. Let us know the one that just makes you want to chug a fifth on of, over to of Frown Royal <laughs> yeah. and just knock yourself out because you're so <laughs> horrified. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Crown Royal is so bad. Terrible. It's yeah. just awful. It's terrible. I'm sure, I'm sure most Canadians would agree. I hope so. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure they so. have better whiskey. Well, Steve, the subject of our show today is none other than Ginger Snaps from the year 2000. Dude, from the future. And... This is my first time watching this flick. I had no idea what it was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, just judging by the poster and the fact that it's kind of got that like cutesy name, I figured this was another like hot teenage girl horror movie. Right. That is exactly what it like. Like gen- the whole Jennifer's body thing, where it's just yeah, like, exactly. okay, it's gonna yeah. be another one of those. It looks like, uh, and even if if you see the the some of the um, posters or covers and maybe you could get that sort of vibe but it's not it's not that at all well, but then Indian. similar to jennifer's body yeah. the actual movie way surpassed <laughs> yeah. the expectations yeah. of the movie you know and definitely has a, a feel to it where you can see how if uh, especially if you were around this age or in your early 20s uh when you watch this say in 2000 yeah i'd have been 16 would be way into it I think so, because it, it reeks of the year 2000. It does, yeah. <laughs> it feels just so fucking uh-huh. late 90s, yeah. dude, in every possible way. So, yeah, I, I uh, this one, I completely understand the cult following it already had, but it's, it's starting to get more recognition now. Seems that way. Because people are looking back and trying to find, like, good examples of uh, representations of women in horror. Yeah. And this is a movie written by a woman, Karen Walton. So we we have a, a horror movie that has this really, I would say, like strong representation of, of teenage girls that may, maybe it's a little, um, you know, it's definitely not realistic dialogue, but it's like, you know, fun late 90s early 2000s teen dialogue at this point it's nostalgic yeah 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 so it it works in a way and and then like the the villain ends up being the the werewolf the strong character ends up being one of these sisters like that that really adds this extra layer of like you know just like with misery with Kathy Bates when you finally let a woman be a villain not because she's shrill or because she's a bad mother or something like that but she's just a fucking badass like it it, it really is more empowering it's mm-hmm. even you know like it, it seems crazy to say you know you need good villains to have good representation of women same as you need uh good uh black villains or uh, good gay villains or whatever like you you need you need to allow people to be able to stretch just like any white man can do in in film well white men can be heroes villains they can be you know the in between they can be all over the place so a movie that allows a woman to be uh, both the villain and uh, allows us into the world of the werewolf, like the person who's changing, and we we get to see her change as a person, too. 
and we also get to see the effect it has on her closest friend who's also this strong female character uh, and then we find out the mom is this strong female character because the whole time the mom seems like this like just kind of yeah docile suburban mom right but yeah. then turns out she's a ride or die bitch like she's like yeah, no all right doubt. found the dead body we'll burn the house down let's go <laughs> yeah that was a real cool <laughs> yeah. twist to the story for me too because like you yeah. said the whole time the mom is just played off as being like so square and just so normal yeah. And then, like you said, she's fucking hardcore at yeah. the end of the movie. It's like, all it's right. awesome. Pretty so, cool like, to me. I see why this is getting more recognition now. Yeah, yeah. Was this the first time that you saw it? Uh, I, had, I had seen it before, I, I had, remember. Yeah. And uh, I remembered enjoying it. It wasn't something that I ever really desired to go back to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, it didn't. it didn't stick with me, I don't think. Because at the time, maybe it seemed a little overblown. Uh, but looking back on it now and seeing it again, I'm like, yeah, that fits right in with the era, like the dialogue and stuff. But it also, it, it, it addresses issues and things like it addresses bigger things like about what a woman can be. Like she t- talks about how like girls are only allowed to be the slut or the tease like, the or tease. the whore yeah, or whatever. Like, yeah. So like, or the virgin next door. I think right. she says something like that. Yeah. So like, uh, it addresses a lot of issues that at the time that I saw it, I guess were kind of over my head. Yeah. So now like looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, this is a much better movie than I remember. You know, again, going into this with no expectations, I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't even like read the description of what it was going to be about or uh-huh. anything. I just went in. I was like, all right, let's just check this out and take it for what it is. Yeah. Um, it was a really interesting watch for me because at first there's so many things in it that are, so unrelatable right to, to me as a fucking you know mid-30s right. dude because you still haven't gotten your period i still haven't gotten my period yet no. still waiting you'll become a woman someday <laughs> but you know it's like it's obviously very steeped in women's issues and stuff and also steeped in sullen teenagers it is and yeah and that's so far removed from me yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah i've not been a teen for Quite a while. Yeah. Quite a while. I think maybe I liked uh, some of that and disliked some of that because I was uh, in 2000, I was coming out of my, I was 19. Yeah. I was coming out of my teens. And I think I remember, I do remember having that like, I'm so far past that sort of feeling. No, you weren't. (laughs) But no, I wasn't. I was 19. I was just like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But like, there's not a lot for me just, you know, in my walk of life to like hang on to to with the first part of this movie so initially i wasn't really that into it and i was watching it with just a lot of like oh my god these fucking selling teenagers yeah you know uh but it's really interesting because by the end of the movie i was really like drawn in and i was it it really became more about the story of like of siblings and of Mm -hmm. uh you know family and that kind of unconditional loyalty you you can have for family and that that all comes down to emily perkins and Catherine isabel just being really good like yeah, they, they do a really great job of playing the characters. Bridget and Ginger. Bridget and Ginger. Uh, Emily Perkins is actually the older of the two, even though she plays the younger sister. Oh, no shit. Yeah. She's yeah. the one playing young Severus Snake. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she really does. Yeah, she <laughs> She's really, like young Severus she Snake. She looks exactly... Holy <laughs> shit, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, man. And she does end up with a potion. Yeah, so... And she does have interactions with a werewolf that aren't, like, to kill the werewolf. Yeah, it's wow. true. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> and there was that scene where James Potter, uh, she, you know, she's hanging upside down, and you can see her drawers and stuff. <laughs> that did happen, sure. too. I 
goes that far. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they they're great. The thing that's interesting is that they actually were casting for six months for those roles and couldn't find the right people. Wow. And to then, have that like sister-like chemistry. Right. And then Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel auditioned on the same day. And they were like, oh, Jack Brock. Yeah. Bringo. Uh, they originally wanted Natasha Leone to be one of the characters. Uh, I This is not the first time I've said that. Uh, in one of these episodes (laughs) Natasha Leone comes up a lot in like horror movies people want her in their movie and then she ends up not being in them I she would have been great I think as Ginger for sure like she has that good like uh, even as a teenager had that good like disaffected vibe Mm -hmm. that that, uh, again Catherine Isabel pulls off great so not not that it would have been better with her but Catherine Isabel, or I mean, uh, but Natasha Leone would have been really good in that role. Yeah, because Ginger in this movie is kind of like if if Wednesday Adams was a real life teenager that just fucking sucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. She's got that vibe about her. Yep, imagine sure. imagine if Wednesday was real and not fun. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, both Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel are horror royalty because. Emily Perkins was the first Bev Marsh in the 1990. That blows my mind. I never yeah. in a million years would have like recognized that. And uh, uh, Catherine Isabel had already been in disturbing behavior before this. Then she's in Freddy versus Jason. That's she's also right. in Bones, Bones, a movie I watched with the the group a couple weeks ago. Isn't she in like American Mary? American or Mary. Like that? She's the star of, and is, uh, she's fucking great in it. Yeah, she's also in tons of other stuff. I mean, uh, she's she's uh, a genuine scream queen, I would say. Wow. Yeah, but uh, both of them are just awesome, and they nail the parts. Like, uh, some you know, sometimes the dialogue leaves a little to yeah, be desired. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of dialogue and stuff but in I, here that's just I, like I think it's stylized ridiculous. dialogue, and I think it all fits the same style. Mm-hmm. It all works together. It's just I don't love the style. Now the mom in this used to be uh, a yeah, the the former, former Mrs. Mrs. Tom Cruise, Cruise yeah. huh? Uh-huh. Well, Maybe what about Rogers. that? She's uh-huh. been in a ton of yeah, shit. Yeah, she's too. been in a ton of stuff. Oh, and by the way, because all of these people, uh, most of these people are Canadian actors. They've all been in the X Files. Wow. If you see anybody in this and go, I think I saw him in something. It was the X Files. You saw him in the X Files. No kidding. Actually, all of these people are in a ton of things. Two, the two main guys are in uh, Final Destination Three. Like. They're all in a ton of horror movies and other stuff you may have seen, but Mimi Rogers, if you don't know her, like you recognize her probably if you saw a picture of her. Uh, she's in so many other things, but she she is uh, amazing in this. No doubt. She because, is great. Yeah. I wish she had a bigger part, honestly. I do like, too. That's one of my complaints about the movie is that I do wish that the mom became a more integral part of the movie, especially towards the very end. She just kind of vanishes and like, yeah. we don't really see what happened. I feel like there were some yeah. scenes or something that got cut. Probably. Yeah, probably. Cause it, it was already too long. It's to me. the movie is too long. Yeah. And that's another definite fault of this yeah. me. Like it's because an hour 40 something. Hour is like hour 45 with the credits. So probably about an hour 41. Yeah. Yeah. So didn't pass the phone test. No, didn't pass the phone no. test. I ended up at one point, like being like, Oh, let's just check his email or whatever. Then being like, Oh right. shit, I need to right. I should movie. be paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the inciting incident happens at 15 minutes in around there. And that's perfect. That That's yeah, right that's where it needs to be happening. We've got all the setup we need. 
inciting incident. And it's a simple story. It's, it's simple not a story. mega complex. Yeah. I don't know any werewolf movie that is mega yeah. complex, you know? Should be an hour 20. Probably. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But it, it just gets a little slow in the middle. There's a lot of things in there, too, that are just kind of like, okay, we get it, that, uh, what's her name, Trista or whatever? Oh, yeah, the bully. Yeah, the bully yeah. girl. It's like, yes, she sucks. Yeah. I understand. Yes, Trina. I understand. Trina, there you yeah. go. Ginger is changing. I get it. Yeah. Let's move yeah, forward. It, it's just too slow. It kind of lets it steep and, a little yeah. too long. So it could have been sped up a bit, but overall, the story is good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it was written and produced by whom? Okay, so written by Karen Walton with some help from John Fawcett, the director. Uh, John Fawcett and Karen Walton have worked with each other on a lot of stuff. Karen Walton, uh, has she wrote and produced on Queers Folk and Orphan Black, which uh, John Fawcett also worked on. Okay. John Fawcett also worked on Xena Warrior Princess. Xena? Which is why there is a voice cameo from Lucy Lawless as the PA announcer in the high school. I had no idea. And at one point, she calls Theodore and Samuel Raimi to the office. Now, hang on. Is that a Ted and Sam Raimi of the Raimi bros? Ted Raimi was in Xena, and Sam Raimi was a producer on Xena. That's really funny, man. I didn't even notice that whenever it went by. I'm surprised I didn't catch that. So yeah, they, these they, they they've worked uh, a lot in television. And uh, John Fawcett, he's he's if you look at his IMDb, he has directed episodes of so many television shows. It's ridiculous. So right on. They they really got shot into some prominence by this, even though it didn't make money. I mean, the budget was four point five million. It made five hundred seventy-two thousand. Holy shit! So this was a mega bomb. Mega bomb. I had no uh, idea. Yeah. And those are fucking Canadian tax dollars at yeah. work, isn't it? But it, Ooh. it, uh, yeah. There, well, there was some, there was some issues around that too. We'll get to in a second. But yeah, yeah. Um, some bad timing. Some, some bad, bad timing. timing. But yeah, that it, it kind of got people's attention because it has a cult following that started pretty soon after it bombed in the box office so once it kind of hit video and and this is still in the time of video stores once it kind of hit the video stores and people are seeing the cover and seeing these girls ginger snap they're interested maybe because they're thinking it's gonna have boobs or whatever yeah hot girl horror whatever but people see it and they're like oh that's actually cool so uh it it caught this following which kind of helped john fawcett and karen walton end up you know uh doing a lot of really cool stuff like working on Orphan Black, which is a great show. Did you see any of the sequels? I guess there's like a Ginger Snaps 2 and okay, 3, I think. There right? are. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch them. I read up on them. 2, I hear, is good. 3, I hear, is terrible. Okay. And, and 3 is a period piece. Oh. Get it? Period piece. <laughs> I don't get it. It's period piece. Because it's set in another period, but also shows or the movie's kind of about like periods. Oh, because that word means both things. It does, yes. Got it. Yeah, There's a humor. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. I'll think about that one. I'll let it simmer for a little and while. You know what a period is, right? And I got it. Yep, okay. And I got it. Now now I get it. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so people pretty much don't like the third, but uh, the second seems to be pretty beloved, too. So why did this thing have such a hard time in theaters then? Was there cultural events and things going uh, on that yeah. maybe impacted that? Yeah, so this... The Canadian government helped to produce this. Yeah. That's 
a thing that happens in Canada. They help to produce films. They threw loonies yeah. and toonies all over it. They did that uh, also with Black Christmas and uh, My Bloody Valentine, I know for sure. I don't know about any of the other movies we Why named, don't we have but... us some government-funded horror movies in the States? I guess because we make them happen all over the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're they're live action reenactments. We kind of do too because the different states have different like tax incentives. That's true. But we yeah. don't have a federal system for that, which is we should. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Anyway, so so uh, news of the funding of the production had come out, and then the Columbine shooting happened. Whoops. And. Teenage violence was in the news. It was all the talk. Yeah, and, and, and school violence and fucking goth kids and how evil goth kids yeah. are and stuff. Yeah, so uh, this movie got kind of put in the crosshairs up in Canada as uh, uh, as far as why is the government funding this movie that has all this teenage violence and these goth kids? Like, why, why are we funding this? So it... Got a lot of play on the news and uh, newspaper articles, which may have hurt its box office, but yeah. actually helped its cult following. Yeah, I remember yeah. There, there's a lot of other movies that kind of ended up getting impacted that way. Of course, yeah. like your favorite, Boondock Saints, oh, your favorite boy. movie. I love that one. But it didn't get its, uh, its due time in theaters because right. there was just so much violence in it. Uh, Donnie Darko also didn't uh, yeah. get due time because of September 11th. Wasn't that right? I think that's right. Because of the plane right. crash. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Matrix kind of kind of managed to dodge, well, dodge the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Using that crazy bullet time. <laughs> yeah. Because that was funny, because I remember a lot yeah. of people really getting mad at that, because they're like, mm. it's people in black trench coats shooting right. other people. It's Columbine. Yeah. But somehow that one squeaked by. Fight Club got in early enough to not yeah. be uh, discussed as evil, because it was pre-September 11th. Yeah, See, like, that's one of those periods for me that I don't really remember having a lot of connection to, because by yeah. that time, I mean, I've Nobody been, had a connection I've been homeschooled to for forever. You know, So <laughs> to me, it's like public school violence wasn't even anywhere on my my radar but was that something that like impacted you when you were in school uh yeah yeah i wrote a i wrote an article about it in the school newspaper about the columbine shooting was it about how that marilyn manson is such a bad guy after it all? was about uh, how everyone was overreacting about marilyn manson being a bad guy in violent video games yeah yeah because yeah. i think the biggest impact that it had on my my life personally yeah. is that i think i think my mom took my copies of doom and final doom yeah. away yeah I think that's about it. Uh, it was the one thing that I ever did on newspaper that uh, some teachers actually came up to me and said, I liked that. Really? Yeah. Because it was like measured. It was one of those like, you know, hey, let's relax. It's not really a big deal. Uh, it was also, uh, I also criticized the placing of uh, metal detectors in schools. <laughs> because, really? Yeah, because it was just a waste of money and just... Uh, I like putting police officers in schools after Columbine is what has led to all those videos you see of black students being beaten up by security officers Oof. at high schools. Yeah. Because for some reason, there's a police officer there looking for crime. Why? Right. It, it's like if you, it's like if you invited a police officer into your neighborhood to just search everyone's home for crime, like why would you do that? Yeah, you gotta have something to do. You gotta stay busy. It's ridiculous. Ugh. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, whenever the Columbine thing happened, was that something that was a big thing to you? Like, holy yeah. shit! Like, mm -hmm. were you and your friends and stuff scared to go to school or anything? Uh, no. 
Okay. No, because there this it's it was at the time we thought was like oh one of those just crazy incidents. Well, like, this is the thing. That's too, how is, it had worked up to that point. Yeah. There was like the the University of Texas shooting in '69. Then there was like the the I hate Mondays girl yeah, in the yeah. early '80s. It was just like incidental. It wasn't consistent. Uh huh. Yeah. But then there was also the Jonesboro shooting uh, the next year where that like 12 year old and 13 oh, yeah. year old shot up a middle school. Forgot about that. Yeah. Those Jeez. kids are out of jail. Oh shit. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> anyway. All right then. Yeah. So that stuff was huge at the time because it was, it was like, what the fuck is happening? But also like, oh, so why is the media blaming all the wrong things? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, access to guns was obviously not being... <laughs> Looked well, at seriously that. as an issue, yeah. Couldn't be that. Just no. like it still isn't. Still isn't. Yeah. Nothing's changed. Yeah, so, yeah. But I guess that, it was a big, that was deal. a big period for yeah. me. Yeah, because that was, a, like, junior and senior year for me. But it's surprising to me to know that the, the reverberations of that event even, you know, echoed all the way far up to Canada, where they're like, even though this hasn't happened here, it's bad to promote this kind of thing because it might encourage yeah. someone else to do it, I they guess. They did have a mass shooting around that time. Oh, did they? Fuck. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, so, the, yeah, it's why it was kind of really thrust into the spotlight. But, I mean, this movie, you know, it features, of course, a couple of goth kids as kind of the main characters, yeah. and they they fantasize about killing their classmates, but yeah. there, there's no point where they explicitly bust into the school with guns or anything like no. that. So, it's not, it's not like, you know, fucking, what is it, Basketball Diaries or whatever? <laughs> yeah, Basketball Diaries Woo. has that, yes, very Pretty influential scene. scene. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really reach that point, but I guess that they were just kind of concerned about the uh, putting those kinds of characters in the spotlight or maybe making yeah. you sympathetic towards them, mm -hmm. you know, when they were yeah. being painted as the bad guys by the media at that point, I guess. Yeah, it uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just all pearl-clutching ridiculousness. And of course, this movie, I think, draws from a number of different influences. I think the original... Yeah. Uh, morose high school girl Heathers. flick that we all think about is Heather's, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is real fucked up. Yeah, it is real fucked up movie. Mm -hmm. I think this movie definitely takes definitely a takes little from bit Heathers. from that. Uh, definitely, probably, I would say the craft. Oh, for sure. Specifically, the scene where she comes walking in all streaking her hair and whatnot. I got my hotness on. Yeah, that's very. Craft I got my rogue well. hair. But ultimately, at its core, it's just so goddamn 2000s. It it's is. It's just so late 90s, so yeah. early 2000s. Even the yeah. soundtrack and stuff is like <laughs> Junkie XL. Yeah. I think there's some Sepultura or, or something on there, maybe Soulfly even. <laughs> yes. And uh, a couple different Fear Factory songs. Of course. I was stoked. I was like, is that fucking Fear Can't Factory? 2000 without Fear Factory. Love it, man. Hey, I still love... Yeah. Like Obsolete by Fear Factory mm -hmm. is still one of my okay. favorites. Digimortal. There you go. There's some awesome shit on there, man. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. It's just fun it music is fun. right there. It's a great rhythm guitar playing. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> the original soundtrack stuff in this is cool too though. Like I thought a yeah. lot of the like orchestral score and like there's like a lot of like Mellotron does, and real it, vintage sounding yeah, stuff in every, here. The, everything does do a great job of setting the mood. Yeah. Like it never feels too intrusive. It never feels out of place. No. Like, huh? And yeah. it also knows when to shut up too. Yep. Like during a lot of the scenes like um, where there's like really violent shit going on, there's like no soundtrack. Right. You know, they because, just let the natural noises of what's going on in that environment speak yeah, for themselves. Yeah, that is much scarier. Oh, yeah. yeah, than having some soundtrack telling you yeah, that you should be right I now. mean, when you're dealing with a werewolf, like, the sounds of a wolf mauling are 
frightening. Oh yeah. Not like no sound or no uh, music you add to it is gonna make that better. No, huh? Yeah. yeah, and it's really neat too how they pace and shoot some of those more intense parts of the movie. Yeah. Because a lot of it is just kind of like implied. Yeah. You know, like even the scene where um Which is smart on a low budget. Yeah, yeah. yeah where Bridget and Sam are like hiding in that closet making that cure right. stuff. And uh he's like, Okay, I'm gonna go out there and get the jump on her or whatever. Uh-huh. And he immediately gets pulled right. out and just mauled. Yeah. But it's just a bunch of like the door being slammed right. closed. It's, yeah, we're seeing from inside. We're not yeah. seeing the mauling. Huh. And there's like cans being jostled off the shelf and stuff. Yeah. And it just seems so shockingly violent. But uh-huh. you look back on it and you're like, but I didn't see anything, yeah. you know? It's just all implied. And it's stuff that puts you like in the driver's seat of like what it would be like to be in that situation where you're hiding in a closet on the other side of the door. Somebody you know is being torn to pieces. Ugh. And there's just screaming and growling yeah. and shredding noises. All and that door of slamming. the stuff that really goes well on there near the end is so good. It's like, great. It's a real great ending. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like it. The beginning works well. The ending works well. The middle just needs to be trimmed middle up a little needs bit. Middle needs some tightening to, up, to for make sure. It a, a definite awesome movie. But it's, I mean, it's still a great movie. It's still enjoyable. Well, even that scene, like towards the first of the movie, whenever Ginger gets attacked by uh-huh. the, the werewolf. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot of really shaky camera, fast motion. Right. You know, just like something streaks and across the screen like shots. And this is like before that was overdone, too. It was, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's intelligible and well shot. And you'll yeah. see like flashes of things where you're like, oh my God, I saw like a fang and an eye. Yeah. Or I saw her face covered in blood. Yeah. It's like the opposite of what we were talking about with Feast whenever we were uh, right. recording the Feast episode a couple <laughs> where weeks ago. Where you just can't figure out what the hell's happening. Yeah. I mean, that was also a low budget anything movie. Because, yeah. It, it, it always felt like every shot was shot too close. Way too tight. Way too you tight. You just couldn't Not tell what the fuck was going like, on. to grab on to, yeah. No. You always need something in the background to be like, okay, there, there's a wall. Yeah. Or at least something to recognize, yeah. But this movie did a really good job of keeping those action shots really intense yeah. and really frantic mm-hmm. and making it feel wild and feral and crazy like it would be if you were there being attacked by a werewolf or yeah. trying to defend your sister from being killed by this thing and drug away. Like, I love how she keeps getting, like, drugged back and stuff yeah. by the werewolf. But you'd never really see it. You don't see what's happening. Yeah. It's great. You just see the result. And it's one of those deals that they probably did that way because the budget was low and couldn't show was, it. Yeah, I mean, the... the uh, prosthetic guy was Paul Jones, who had worked on Blade, which we did. Oh, okay, yeah. Last year, uh, which Bride was of Chucky. filled with shitty CGI. Right, but the practical effects they were good. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also did Bride of Chucky and Hellraiser two. So okay. like he's he's uh, he obviously he's was able pedigree. to do really well with the budget they had. So. They use when they were actually going to show something. That's where they put their money in. Oh yeah, that's like when we see her in the transformation moments. Like that's where they put their focus on. So this early attack, you just want to imply it, and then the later attacks again, you want to imply it because we want to see her in these different transitions of werewolf. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing that really kind of blew my mind about some of those later scenes that we get that are a little bit more practical special effects heavy yeah is because there's so many parts in the movie that look cheap yeah. you know like there's a lot of parts in this like i think i even have it in my notes like 
during some of like the field hockey scenes, like the scenes uh-huh. that are in like broad daylight, uh-huh. I was like, this looks like an episode of Goosebumps. Yeah. It straight up looks like an episode of Goosebumps <laughs> at times. But then later on, you get these special <laughs> effects shots that are like, holy shit, that's fucking brutal. Like yeah. after Ginger gets attacked. They knew where to put the money. They knew yeah. where to put the money. Yeah. Exactly. Like after Ginger gets attacked and they're, they like take her back to the house. And she's like panicking and freaking out. Like right. She's in shock and it's very convincing. Yeah, she, does, she does a great job in them. And they're yeah. checking out like her huge like scratch Ooh. wounds and yeah. even just the blood effects on like her face. Like the way the, the blood is kind of dried up and stuff and turned a little bit more of that rusty color. Uh, it's very convincing and very realistic looking, you know? Yeah. But again, it's because they saved it. Like they saved the, the expensive shots. Yeah. The money shots, if you will. The money shots. Yeah. For when they needed them, you know? And it's yeah. also just surprising, too, to see a movie that was made for cheap in 2000 without a bunch of shit-ass CGI. Yeah, yeah and that was John Fawcett insisted on doing all practical effects. Like, yeah. Again, like, it seems like anytime a director insists, like, we have to do practical effects, it always ends up way better looking in the future. Totally. When you look back on it, it looks better than it was. Oh, dude, this yeah. is going to age significantly better yeah. than other movies that are from this period. Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that it is just so fucking Yeah, it's 2000s, very 2000. It's very dated. <laughs> but like the visual language of the special effects yeah, is going to age a lot works. better you yeah. know, than, than, say, Deep Blue Sea or something like yeah. that. I'm, I'm just wondering like when we're going to have the 2000s nostalgia. Like when's that hmm. going to hit? Because... It was in the 2000s that 80s nostalgia really, like, first took off. That's when people started having, like, 80s parties and stuff like that. Like, when are people going to have 2000s parties? Ugh. Do you want to have one? That's a hard period to love, man. It That's is. a hard time period to be like, you know what I miss? I'll get some fucking low-rise jeans. Some low-rise tight jeans. <laughs> I mean, okay. Let's I'm have, listening. Let's have an emo party. Yeah, That's okay. what I'm saying. That'll do. Yes. That'll do for me, man. <laughs> Uh, some of the other special effects in the movie I see people critique sometimes are like the final form of, of the werewolf at yeah. the end of the movie, yeah. uh, which I was just surprised to even get to see a full right. werewolf. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it would always just be like, you know, tight little face shots or claw shots or whatever, but you actually get to see the full creature at the uh-huh. end of the movie. And it kind of looks like somewhere between, uh, like, let's say Silver Bullet Werewolf uh-huh. plus the big dogs from Ghostbusters. Yes. Plus, like, the island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> yeah. It's There's somewhere in between uh-huh. those things, you know? Because I think what a lot of people miss about that final werewolf form that we see is, like, that's not the final form. She's no, still she's transforming. she's still transforming, yeah. Because there's, like, human-like features. Like, she's yeah, not covered in hair. the form would be the thing we saw get hit by the van, I would assume, which was basically a wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And this was more like a half-girl, half-wolf. Right hybrid like a dr uh-huh. moreau thing like it's very fleshy and yes. pale uh but at the same time like it's not like it has a boob like it whenever does. it rolls over it's at the end of the movie it's like, it has a boob it's uh-huh. kind of human ish uh which i think is pretty cool man yeah. it's like it would have been appealing to get to see a full-blown werewolf you know wolf humanoid sure. lycanthrope at the end of the movie but at the same time is to show that she still has yeah. a little bit of humanity in her, which and, I think might contribute to the very end of the movie, too. And this movie is more about transformation than being transformed. Like, it's not about the end result. It's about the process of transformation. It's about puberty. It's yeah. about getting your period. It's about these changes and becoming this different person and having these sexual desires and all this stuff. 
it's not about being the adult version of that. It's about being in the process. So yeah. you don't ever get her see be see her be that full wolf. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Some of my other special effects, uh, worthy mentions in this too. I got to say, during those intro credits, whenever we're shown all their like fake death pictures and stuff, uh-huh. they look so fucking awesome. They do. They were really great, which is again like Paul Paul Jones did a fucking great job of he like he gets to star throughout the movie. Like this would be something like if Tom Savini got a movie where he gets to just throughout the movie have effects every other scene basically. Yeah. Like he would love that. You just get to do whatever you want. So like these opening shots are all just Paul Jones getting to play around like there's like the pitchfork death and like yeah, all these other the falling cool on deaths. the fence thing. Yeah, is that a Heather's reference too? Isn't there a scene I in there where like Winona Ryder has like a, a like fence post going through or something like that? I might be wrong I about seen that. In a while. It's been a while, but I want to yeah. say she like falls over a fence or like there's like a dream like or that. something like that. That huh. that might be a reference that seems too. Seems familiar, yeah. right? Yeah. But all those I thought were really cool and really creative, and it's fun too because like your first introduction to the girls is them in their bedroom, like contemplating what sounds like how they're gonna kill themselves yeah they've she's made like, a pact i'm not gonna cut my wrist i'm gonna cut my throat you should hang yourself like yeah it seems like it's all these girls like fetishizing uh, and like worshiping suicide and that very, very wednesday adams yeah. very fucking wednesday <laughs> yeah. adams yeah and it, it is that total emo goth like yeah beautiful suicide thing right which, which immediately was just like a turnoff where it's just that like is. these fucking idiots that is dude. the worst part but yeah. then you realize they're not talking about actually killing themselves they're talking about right. their little school project that they're putting together right. they're, they're like I'm gonna th- cut my throat uh, for this photograph like, though they do have a suicide pact they do have a suicide yeah. pact pretty intense kids mm-hmm. pretty yes. intense kids <laughs> but I like that, that it kind of plays with the expectation right away right you know, where you think that they're glamorizing their own uh, suicides and actually they're just talking about this class project right. they're doing to freak everybody out. Yeah, and it it does a good job. Yeah, and <laughs> I like too how it's, like the intro credits are all those photos and then you realize that all those photos have been the little um, uh, picture reel they're showing right. for the class project. In the class. And then, of course, we get, uh, what's his name, Lloyd Braun as yeah. the teacher <laughs> from Seinfeld. And I love too that he's like, I'm I'm disturbed, aren't I? Or something aren't like I? that. <laughs> yeah, it, there's some real good dark humor in this. Like, it I, is a I, dark comedy, man. I like the I like the guidance counselor. I think she's cute when she's oh. giving them the condoms. Oh, dude, stuff. she's like just square as shit, <laughs> yeah, man. Just she's so lame. How, but she but she's just like explaining how periods work. It's just like she's very like straightforward but like just but in also that real denim, cutesy and yeah stuff. And she's in that denim like outfit it's terrible well, but then the thing about it is I though it. is like the way that the mom and dad at home are played so square and this guidance counselor lady are played just so yeah. lame it's like i remember thinking when i was probably 16 that that's what every adult looked and sounded yeah. like oh absolutely you know? I'm fine with that. I'm cool with kids seeing me as lame. Some kind of fucking square. Because they're lame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> with their Pokemons. Yeah. Whatever. Like, seriously, if a bunch of kids thought I was cool, I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. What I am feel I? weird if a people, Christian like, youth kids pastor? thought I was cool. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you think I'm cool? That's I'm weird. not. <laughs> I don't even have a TikTok. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's... 
the the adults yeah they're this like character of adults that you sort of see adults as when you're a kid yeah um it's it's yeah it's well it's an interesting stylization that like i think that maybe karen walton was going for getting into the mind of like sullen fucking teenagers yeah yeah and she kind of nails it but the cool thing is too though is even though initially it does play the whole like adults are fucking squares sort of angle it doesn't necessarily stick with it, especially with the mom characters kind yeah, of turn at the end. Yeah, she being a badass. But yeah. it doesn't like totally go out of its way to like flip that on its head and and be like, no, see, grown ups are cool. Yeah, is it like she doesn't like she doesn't pull up in like a Corvette dressed different. Like That's I'm gonna what I'm burn saying, the fucker right? down. She's yeah. still like the mom. She's still mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is like the same way the sisters the whole movie have been so. Uh, like you said earlier, just so fucking ride or die for each yeah. other. And they think it's just like, oh, it's just you and me. It's only yeah. you and me that feel this way. And then mom is like, I guess y'all murdered somebody, but <laughs> I'm going to torch the house and leave dad because nobody's going to take me from you. Like it shows them that like that mom is like yeah. ride or die too. I guess y'all murdered somebody. Yeah, I guess I'll let the house fill up with yeah. gas and blow it up. Yeah. Like she doesn't even ask who this is, yeah. why this is. So she's like, nobody's going to take me from you. Just so. a badass mom. Yeah. Which is exactly how the sisters feel about yeah. each other, you know? Yeah. Which, like I said, it's like, that's what makes this movie kind of endearing to me is even though there is so much stuff about it that I can't relate to, at the end of the movie, it's just all about these siblings and this family looking out for each other. Yeah. Even the ones that you think are like lame and not cool, like mom. Right. You know? But dad does end up being lame. You, dude, okay, so Fuck the dad. dad is just gone. Like, yeah. the, the dad is totally not a part of this yeah. family. He doesn't really give a shit about uh-huh. anything that's going on. We never even, like, really get to see him, like, freak out and be like, did the kids fucking murder yeah. somebody? Because I just found these fingers. I think mom actually never told dad about that. Probably not. Yeah. I think she didn't. She's just a badass, yeah. Yeah, because so it's kind of revealed that they're, like, they're going through counseling. The male characters in this are interesting. Kind of. The men, the men are hard to pin down, like, are they scumbags or are they good guys or like what what's going on? Like they're really yeah. complicated characters, but they're very surface characters. Well, the dad like, seems very just backseat. Yeah, you know, he's to, just to his whole family, do he doesn't really seem to give much of a shit. We got the drug dealer guy uh, Sam, Sam, who I thought was the guy from Step by Step, yeah. not not Cody, <laughs> yeah, the other, other one. one. Yeah, but his character is interesting because he clearly cares enough to get involved with these sisters yeah. and help them out with their problems. He seems and to be a really, really nice guy, but also these are underage girls. And how old is he? Yeah, yeah. I assume he's supposed he's to be in his twenties or whatever. Yeah. Like, and then that one girl tells him about how like he's a what what she call it? Like a cherry hunter or cherry picker right. or something like this, where yeah. it's like he's into virgins and all this. Yeah. So like he's kinda gross, but then he's also like he, you get the he says he's not like going after What's and he's, and he's not for that reason. He's just yeah. He's like I don't see that way. Yeah. So like is, but, but the other girl was a high school girl. Yeah. So that's weird. Well, the way that she told that thing about him like being after virgins kind of implied that like yeah you know maybe uh he was her first or something that like that. That was like a she sympathetic moment for her too. Like it's really what like oh like when she's talking about that it's like there's nothing. Like she's not bullying. She's not being mean. She's telling the truth. So this guy is a fucking asshole. But we don't see that. Yeah. It's uh, it's and a another, real strange way of seeing a male character written. I liked it though to be kind of alienating to look at it. I'd also say the same for 
Jason we'll talk about in a little talk bit. Talk about him a second, yeah. too. The yeah. thing about Sam that I liked as well is that the way that they played that character, it really would have been very easy for it to turn into like this love story of Bridget falling in love with, with right. Sam and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's not that. But even at the very end of the movie, after he gets like mauled uh-huh. and Ginger as the wolf is on one side of him drinking that blood, yeah. and then Bridget ends up on the other side of him, while he's doing, dude, that breathing that he's doing is totally uh-huh. the guy in Terminator 2. Yes. The black dude that's uh-huh. like blowing the place up. He's yeah. like... <gasps> Uh-huh. <laughs> He's totally doing that breathing pattern. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. But anyway, like, you know, at no point is Bridget like, I'm going to save this guy. Bridget, like, starts fucking drinking the blood. Yeah. So to blend in with her sister. Yes, because she want, she loves her sister and she doesn't want her sister to see her as, like, the enemy or anything. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I like that they didn't go to the about, angle. Yeah, it's of, not about him. Yeah, like after he gets mauled, it's like, well, he's kind of out of the story. Right. So that's that. This uh, isn't about him. It's about Bridget and Ginger. You know, maybe we should get into this here. Maybe we, we pop into on. that thing, huh? All what right. do we got here? We got ourselves a fucking wild card. Yeah, this is, I we had to try it because when you showed it to me, it was just like, yeah, okay, let's yeah. do it. So this is from our buddy Jeff Rupert, who sent us a ton of beers to check yeah. out. Uh, once again, from K2 Bros Brewing up in uh, New York. And I am really excited to check this out. Like, he sent us a ton of different ones, and a lot of them sound amazing. But this yeah. is the one that I opened up, and I'm like, I have to find out about this first. Yeah. Because this is a apple cinnamon bacon red ale. <laughs> it's an eight percenter. Yeah. I like a red ale. I'm, I'm generally a fan. Okay, so, so here's the deal. So uh-huh. it says this red ale was brewed uh-huh. with apple cinnamon bacon okay. from Costanza Sausage. Now, how do they do that? I mean, it might be I'm like assuming a candy bacon. bacon. bacon fat. Maybe. It yeah. could be that. I, I don't know. This is either going to be amazing or yeah. just like, please get this away from me. I'll, I'll repeat my uh, general, I do not eat pork. Oh, yeah, that's right. You but, don't, do you? Uh, I will definitely but you'll, try this. But you will drink yeah. pork. Yeah. <laughs> I don't eat pork, but I do drink well, it. Well, I don't want to... It, it would just go to waste. It's a I nice didn't. amber color. It doesn't look like anything that would be weird. What's it, it smell like? It doesn't smell bacony or anything. Really? It just smells like... I figured it smells the pleasant. Smoke, it smells like a nice ale. I figured the smokiness would be overwhelming. The apple cinnamon bacon component of this is going to oh, be Oh, there is a little smokiness after after the... Yeah, it is. You can yeah. smell a little bit of that after smoke that on the back end. After dissipates, there's a little bit there. It is kind of hazy, actually. I thought that this wow, would be like a regular yeah. ale where you could kind of see through it, but it is a reddish, brownish color. You know, a now, hearty head. Now, we're about to try this, and I'm, I'm excited. But I, I'm regretting it a little bit because we also have that French toast beer. We could oh, have yeah. French oh, toast. Oh man, we and just get a breakfast right there, huh? <laughs> Dude, that is a wild tasting beer. It Whoa. is very smoky. What is that? That is crazy. Like I get smokiness more than I get a bacon kind of flavor. The smokiness from, is very present. I I, I don't know if this will uh, chime in your mind. This reminds me of walking around in Dollywood. Oh, yeah? Like in the fall or something? Well, yeah, because it always just kind of smells like kind of smoky, smoky from the stuff. choo-choo train. Yeah, and then like, I don't know, it just kind of, this kind of, it's got like a little sweetness and like, it just does. sort of, it, uh, it does have kind of fall flavors, I guess, a little bit too. But you know, the smoke taste in there is interesting because it's not like a liquid smoke, like artificial flavor. Like, you know what yeah. this reminds, actually, you know what this reminds me of more than anything? What's that? Whenever we did 
that haunted October cocktail video with Roger Dean Miller yes. in October. That, that smoky cocktail. apple rum because he did that, that one that was, was like so a good. smoky apple cinnamon rum concoction. We got to do another one of those cocktail videos with that uh, <laughs> yeah. RDM. We got to get that fucking middle of the day blinding yeah. drunk thing going on again. <laughs> good lord, that's what this tastes like more than yeah, anything. It really to does. Me. Yeah, RDM, you got to try this. Which yeah. hey, by the way, congrats to RDM. He won him that cocktail oh, competition. Oh yeah, he won a cocktail contest re- recently. He's a big old bartender boy in Nashville. Everybody should go see him. K two Bros Apple Cinnamon Bacon Red Ale. Wow. Yeah, that, that's interesting. That is man. interesting. It is something that I couldn't have more than one of. No, because it, it's very strong and like it's a potent taste beer, and also eight percent. And the taste of that smoke and stuff just hangs out. Like I still it have does, a very yeah. smoky taste yeah. in my mouth. I mean, this would be great with food, though. I bet, dude. Could you imagine this with like a really good barbecue sandwich oh, yeah. or something? Oh yeah, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, that'd be it fucking would just blend awesome, right man. in. It'd just brisket. be awesome. I'd go yeah. for some ribs or something about now. Hell I yeah. think. All right, so we were going to talk about the other male character, Jason. Yes. Who uh, just seems like a regular teenage dude who wants to have sex with a girl. Yeah, just regular dumb, horny teenage guy. No, like, he doesn't seem like a villain. He's not like... I mean, like, the movie does set up, of course, the, the complicated relationship teenage girls have to sex and being shamed for it. Sure. So he is, of course, in that way part of a villainous um system well and i mean but he's you know, not he's not he doesn't seem mean like he he actually like when he sees that she's buying tampons he's not like hey, your cooter's all hurting or whatever he's like true. he's like he, he's like weed will help yeah that that is true he's like yeah. i got two sisters smoke some dope helps yeah like, he doesn't necessarily really shame her i mean of course him and his friends are also out there like cat calling him during that right, field yeah. hockey game which They're is just, dick teenage boys but that's how yeah that, i mean it doesn't excuse it either though in in this situation i think it's I just think that like that's more it's th- just stupid like yeah. it's like how teenagers are they're dumb well, like, but i think that's also there to kind of throw kind of like what you were saying a second ago the contradictions of males coming into their sexuality with puberty yeah in comparison to females who right. i guess are supposed to hide it well and i like the thing about ginger coming in one day and dressing hot like that happened in high school like some some girls or some guys one would day just come hot. in one day and be hot and it was like okay cool like yeah. and that's what happens with ginger she just walks in like he sort of notices she's hot before that and then she walks in the next day dressed hotter and now she's got those streaks in her hair which for some reason i find does the job does the job works for me Uh, it works on anna paquin as rogue that's true works on claire saffitz of bon appetit works on alex from testament oh yep (laughs) (laughs) i like me that witchy woman hair yep yeah that's why i'm a big fan of sindel oh yeah (laughs) that's right oh man she did have that going (laughs) on didn't she damn sindel oh my god dude i forgot about her i mean jason like do you notice what like his werewolfism develops just based on his acne and he's like really horny yeah exactly (laughs) again it's like this connection to puberty and like development but like he he and he also just becomes more sarcastic and an asshole which is what happens with teenage boys yeah exactly sarcastic assholes yeah that's uh yeah it, it is all really just this like werewolf is a metaphor for puberty it's a metaphor for you know your period it's a metaphor for sexual desire but like she even says like uh that it's not a desire for sex it's a desire to tear things yeah it's supposed to destroy everything and like 
that's like so much that's so true i know from the male perspective of puberty and like it's really cool to see that as the female perspective too like going through the male perspective of puberty of just like that impulse to destroy and to just break shit yeah. when you're a teenager. Yeah, and just the, the rage that yeah. you have when you're a teenager just because your hormones are going yeah. insane. I mean, you're literally an insane person when all yes. that stuff kicks in. Yeah, so it's so fucking amazing, awesome writing to show this from the female perspective. Like, yeah, we get that too. <laughs> but it's also one of those things that it, it puts it right there on Front Street to see that, you know, I think just culturally, it's kind of the perspective of if, if, if a woman, if a young girl is becoming aggressively sexual, yeah, that's somehow scary. Yeah. And also there's all, uh, of course, the obvious, you know, gore shots in the movie right. of like, oh my God, she's bleeding. There's like uh-huh. that bloody underwear and stuff yeah. in the movie. And somehow, I think just because of the way that we are just so culturally ingrained to think periods are somehow unnatural or disgusting or not every woman in the world has them because it's fucking nature. Right. I think we're just kind of conditioned to treat those scenes as more horrifically gory than this guy that just got ripped apart by a werewolf in the movie. You know <laughs> I what think, I mean? Yeah, I think maybe in 2000, like, maybe in 2000 when I watched it, it would have hit me like that, but as, like, an adult grown yeah. man, oh, yeah, no period panties, it's just like, I, I had to think about those scenes to realize, like, oh, right, when she's looking at the period panties, like, that would have been a scene where guys would have been like, Ugh! or whatever, yeah. yeah. Squeaming around. Yeah. Right, but, like, but the gore-gore <laughs> has no effect on you. Yeah. Yeah. At first, it just didn't hit me. <laughs> like, it was just like, yeah, that happens. Yeah. It's a thing. Well, but again, this is fucking mid-30s dudes. But I, if you were yeah. a teenager watching this, it probably would have inspired that reaction. Yeah. And yeah, of course, the, the main kind of topic of this movie, like you said, is, you know, the subject that we, as white, straight males, yeah. are absolutely authorities on, which is women's bodies. Oh, yeah. We so, really get... I know everything about yeah. this movie. I did. I mean, like... You know, the things that she talks about with the cramps and stuff, I completely understand because of my wife's experience. My wife has uh, really, really, really bad yeah. period cramps. Yeah, like, yeah. they're terrible. So, like, when she starts talking about her back hurting and stuff, it's like, that is that is very, um, it, it's very foreign to men to understand that a period is more than just blood coming out. Yeah. It's like, it, f- it feels like an illness. It doesn't feel feel good mm-hmm. it's not a fun period it's not like yay <laughs> it's that time look, again look at this yeah but it's so easy to tie all that to you know the the legends of werewolfism it's like you you sprout hair from yeah. places and yeah you, it's easy to connect the two I and mean, they're also uh, 28 day calendars tied to the moon somewhat yeah i mean periods aren't actually tied to the moon but they're also they're on 28 day calendars which the moon is too yeah, it's yeah. A kind, kind but of they don't all happen at once ben Oh, right. What if all women in the world got synced up? Right, guys? Oh, break out. out the bonbons. <laughs> what? <laughs> what podcast is this now? What show is this? At this point, I went off on a rant about married with children for some reason. Um, I have cut that, but if you want to hear it, it's at the end of the episode. So check it out, I guess. So like I said, it's easy to kind of play this uh, This movie as sort of this manifestation of like, oh, okay, you know, a, a girl going through puberty or getting a period and stuff is like this bestial werewolf presence. And that's kind of what I thought the whole movie was going to be centered around. And a lot of it is. Yeah. 
but it's kind of more than that too it is way more than that it's, it's it's a relationship movie between these two sisters and and how one sister deals with the other sister changing yeah. and but you know one thing about it too though that that i do think is an interesting twist especially considering that i mean obviously ginger is supposed to be very alluring and very attractive and she is a, a very a very good looking young lady yeah Catherine isabel she's she's a hottie yeah. yeah but then at the same time like there's all this weird stuff in there that i think is also supposed to connect with the male audience watching the movie where she starts growing that tail oh yeah but it, it leads to a bunch of butt shots yeah yeah but it's also like nasty looking like she has like a dick coming out of yeah. her butt or something yeah but it's also one of those things that kind of relates back to the the male puberty experience where it's just like suddenly like, what am I supposed to do with my, my dick? It's yeah, everywhere she has now. To strap it down. Yeah, like, like, yeah tape that it particular down scene, like that I did think about that exactly. Just yeah. like where you have to figure out what to do with your erection. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what are you yeah. supposed to do with this now? So yeah. even that is kind of like making you sympathetic to that character, even in, in the male perspective yeah, that can't relate true. to what's going on. But uh-huh. you watch that scene and you're like, ugh. And then you're like, yeah, it's kind of like what happens with my ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> You know? So it has a way of drawing that in. It just flops around, too. And, dude, that scene yeah. where she's, like, trying to cut that thing off is disgusting. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is There's a lot disturbing. of scenes. And, dude, after yeah. she, like, eats that dog and she's, like, oh, throwing up the blood yeah. and stuff, it's fucking nasty. Oh, man. Too many doggies die. Too many dead dogs in this movie. Here's a, here's a legit complaint about this movie. Yeah. So many dead dogs. Yeah. And especially, hey, man, but you know what? It's very relatable because who hasn't been playing a game of field hockey and then you get checked and fall onto that dead dog that nobody saw. The time. What the fuck? <laughs> like, there's so many things in this movie that make me go, "Man, the people that made this were really thinking. This is very yeah, smart." And, and then, then it's, like, it's just like, "What the fuck who do you didn't mean?" See the dead dog. It was there the whole time, yeah. I guess. There are people sitting on bleachers looking out over the field. They're probably just like, "There's a fucking dead dog the whole time, right?" Maybe what we don't know though is that Canada is just littered with gored dogs. Everywhere. Yeah, people just don't even respond to it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the original sense. script. Had her fall into a big puddle of poutine. <laughs> that would, and that she's like, oh, I've got this awesome, gravy and curds all over me. I could really go for that. Yeah. I think that, that might have been be the original. Awesome. And somebody was like, mm, dead dog instead. Yeah. Dead dog instead. Yeah. That's that that's was just, just a no horrible fun. offbeat scene. Yeah. Like, why the fuck? Like, okay. Like, um, yeah, we were talking about this before, but like, Someone could maybe complain that she, you know, she has werewolf teeth and werewolf uh, fingernails, and why didn't anybody notice, notice that? I I can say for sure the that makes the, the dog in the field makes no sense. The other stuff does though to me because they are so weird and they're always doing these makeup effects and things. Yeah, I think maybe people are just like, yeah, she's just a weird girl. She puts on weird teeth. Yeah, and sharpens her fingernails yeah. and stuff. Yeah, like it's a. I, I think that works, but like the that that actually makes the dog thing even worse because you you work so hard to make everything make sense, and then this like they would have seen the fucking dead on. dog. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like that that made no sense. Yeah. I was like, where the fuck did this come from? Yeah, I even like it, rewound it to be like Yeah. Did somebody throw it on the well, field? Yeah, what <laughs> happened? You know? Yeah, yeah that, that, that was kind of dumb. Yeah. It, I did like her subtle transformations and stuff though. Mm-hmm. You know, and as that yeah, progressed through the slightly movie. Slightly changes over yeah. time. And, the, fir- the first time you see it, you're just kinda like, Are her incisors like a little bit yeah. pointy? You know? Uh-huh. And then like later on, like her her eye shape kind of uh-huh. starts changing a little bit and stuff. It's very nice and subtle, and it's also tied to like costume changes and stuff too like did you notice how especially like later on towards the end of the movie she starts wearing like a jacket that's like a black furry jacket uh-huh. like it's not yeah. like you know cloth or leather right. it's like furry uh-huh like she's like wearing 
wolf's clothing or something, right. you know? Uh-huh. And she starts wearing like a hood and stuff, like Red Riding Hood or something. Right, yeah. Some indications of other werewolf or wolf things. Yeah, yeah. but it's subtle. It's not like on the yeah. nose. Like she's not wearing a red riding hood or anything right. like that. Or like, you know, a fucking t-shirt with a wolf on it or something. Yeah. It's just nice, like little subtle choices that they made even in the costuming to they show the transformation. They should have had her wear like a Duran Duran t-shirt. Yeah, and yeah. get hungry as a wolf. Right. Like one wolf might. Yep. <laughs> Hungry like one wolf might. That was the original, mm-hmm. original take right and they're there. They're like, it doesn't fit the meter. Not really Kinda. working. Yeah. Now, what do you think about the girls themselves? Because I, again, I found them completely fucking insufferable. Like right. their their lives do not suck. When you're a teenager no, no, and no. you're living in a household where, okay, yeah. yeah, their parent their parents are going through counseling and stuff like that. At least their parents give enough of a shit to go through counseling yeah. and not just call it a day and you know break up or whatever. Right. Uh, their lives are not that bad, and they are acting as if they they live on hell on earth because yeah. they're normal I kids in a Canadian suburb. I think the movie is aware of that and lets them be ridiculous. Like, it, yeah. it seems like we're supposed to take them as ridiculous early on, and they get more relatable as they're dealing with more actual, real issues. Yeah, totally. The more they have to address real issues, the more we they see like how complicated the world is and the more they become relatable yeah yeah but at the same time i think if i would have watched this when i was like 16 i would have been like oh jocks are so lame (laughs) i mean you know duh right we all know that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah, like it kind of made me think though you know the whole angle of them being like these goth girls that are like obsessed with death and they're outcasts and they're just total insufferable complainers about everything right does it make the movie better? Like, would you have liked this movie more if you would have liked the characters? Because I kind of think yeah, I would have. I think, um, okay, I I think I would for sure, and I think I do because the movie Jennifer's Body is kind of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Diablo Cody obviously takes a good bit of inspiration from this, and she improves the dialogue, which improves the overall experience, I believe. It makes them more relatable. You relate more to those characters than yeah. the yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because the thing They're is... They're still is, speaking weird, but, like, more relatable. Yeah. yeah, but you can do the whole, like, morose characters that are still fun and relatable. I mean, Wednesday yeah. Adams is, is yeah. fucking awesome. Heathers, again. Heathers. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely we can, awesome. We've seen it before. Yeah. yeah. But this just kind of, like, really makes you be like, man, fuck these fucking kids. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. God damn, they're so <laughs> they're annoying. so whiny, yeah. Bridget just keeps that, like, chin tucked down, like... Yeah. Her... What whatever configuration that her hair is in her face in various ways, yeah, the whole movie, that's a wig. Never like, seems to bother her. It, the wig bothered me the whole time it's because n- you can tell it's not uh, her natural hair. There's yeah. like no part. There's no point uh-uh. where there's like any part, and it, it always was unnerving to me. But I think it works because she's supposed to be kind of unnerving, but also the 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 more we get to know her, the more we like her. Yeah. So like. But I think I would have yeah. liked better if they were outcasts in a way because their school didn't understand them or whatever. Right. And it showed that they're actually, you know, normal, relatable people. They right. just happen to dress different, look different, yeah. and that kind of that thing. That works better. That's more relatable. Yeah. yeah but that this just kind of makes them it. fucking insufferable. Yeah. And, and also shows them when they're with the other high school kids, they don't seem to be outcasts. Like one guy thinks one of them's hot. Like, the bully doesn't like them, but so? Yeah. Everybody else doesn't seem to be like, yuck, it's those girls. (laughs) 
It's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you would have liked the better the, the movie better overall if you would have enjoyed those characters more? And also, I mean, did you enjoy I, the characters? I'm just speaking from I, my own perspective. I, uh, I do like the characters. I think I think that they play well in the story that's being told. But I don't like the character. Like I like the characters in that they are effective in the way they're trying to tell this story. Yeah, and I love that but they stick they're up not likable. No, <laughs> yeah. But it's like I do love how they stick up for each other, like yes. no matter what. And they, it, yeah, they get more likable. Yeah, and even like the scenes where you know Ginger's starting to get kind of out of control, but Bridget is still trying to cover for her and yeah. and keep it real. Like whenever uh, that one girl like falls and hits her head and dies in uh-huh. the kitchen. Yeah, Bridget like she reacts so perfectly to defend and like hide the situation. Yeah. And I love that the death picture thing comes back there where yeah. they just stage this murder scene where there's actually yeah, blood another, on the floor. Yeah. Like it makes so that that exposition isn't just to show that they're kooky girls. Yeah. But like it I like comes that into that play comes there. Back. It comes into play with the werewolf stuff. It comes into play in all overall where people are just like, yeah, they're strange. So like, uh, it, instead of it just being like, look how kooky that that has a major impact on the rest of the film. Yeah. yeah. I like that they brought that little thread back. That yeah. just, that's just kind of like good filmmaking where it's yeah. like, okay, introduce this thing earlier mm-hmm. and now it's important again. Yeah. You kind of forgot about it by that point, uh, but now it's important And then again. it comes back later when uh, the mom finds the fingers because she's like, eh, probably something they Something did. that they yeah. did, yeah, for yeah. one of their silly pictures. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, there's so much like, it, it was well thought out and well put together. Like, the they had to know going in that their target audience was probably younger mm-hmm. and that they were they were going for people who would be going through this situation so the characters are probably more likable for that audience as an adult uh, especially as adults who don't have kids like we're old enough that we could have kids that are teenagers yeah, yeah totally so like you know as adults who don't have kids who aren't again de- dealing with this like it's 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 hard to relate it's hard to oh yeah care dude so i mean much. as yeah. a dude like uh, yeah of my age it's like i was just watching this being like man i'd be so fucking mad if i raised some kid to teenager uh, age and they're just acting like little shit well i kind of feel uh. like i kind of feel like some of it um i don't know like they they obviously set up that Bridget has all of these elements of her mom mm-hmm. that like her like we don't see it early but it comes out more and more and more and in fact they seem to be able to connect and relate in a way that the mom and Ginger don't and Ginger seems to want to get away to kind of be your own thing like the dad uh, and it seems like the dad has just this disconnection from his family that that Ginger is kind of adopted, that she's starting to disconnect. So yeah. just as the dad is disconnecting more and they're in counseling and, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be looking great for their marriage, so Ginger is disconnecting more. Yeah. So, like, uh, I, I and think... That, that disconnect, I think, is also another important part of this movie, yeah. too, you know? It is, yeah. Especially it, just even from a sibling level, where it's like, you know, I grew up with my, my brother. My brother's right. three years older than me. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it used to be like, hey, let's go jump on the trampoline. Let's go sure. do this stuff together. Yeah. And then it's like, once he, you know, got a car and started getting interested yeah, in the girls other and stuff. stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like, 
as little brother, it's like I did feel, I think, very left behind at times. Yeah. No, I get it. My brother's four years older than yeah, me. Same. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. The, whenever you see Bridget, you know, kind of starting to fall away from her sister who's going off and living her own life Yeah, because she's like coming into adulthood and stuff, uh, that sense of disconnect there, it's like, you know, even though, yeah, she's doing this because she's becoming a werewolf, it's like, no, she's becoming that way because she's going through puberty. Yeah. So even, like I said, just as a on a sibling level, are related to the movie in in that way. Yeah, you it, know? it totally makes sense. It totally works too. Yeah, and I also had a sister who was two years younger than me, so we had that disconnect period too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it, it really does work well and is very effective in the the ways that it both builds the werewolf story and builds the sister story. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where some of the bloat comes in because they wanted to build both stories. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And maybe there were more effective ways to do it, but they did a good job of building both. It just, again, could be tightened up, I think. I think so too. Now, one of the key scenes with the sisters that I thought was kind of interesting, I was wanting to hear your thoughts on too, Yeah, are like... What happens at the very end of the movie where Bridget has the knife in one hand, she has mm-hmm. the syringe with the cure in the other hand. Right. You know, so she has like life and death basically in each right. hand. And her sister, as the werewolf, clearly about to attack her, and she says, You want this, don't you? And then Ginger jumps on her, lands on the knife. Right. Okay. Was any of that deliberate? Like, do you think yeah, that think there's so. a little humanity in Ginger that was just like, kill me now? Or do you think well, I th- that... Yeah, I think it was like the ultimate suicide. Like, she, she, you know, was talking about it earlier, how yeah. she wanted it to be a big thing. Like, like, yeah, I think so. I think that is exactly what the ending was supposed to mean, that, like, this, the, that Bridget realizes that she would prefer to die anyway. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't want to live, so she offers her this moment of like the ultimate suicide, and she jumps on the knife. Like, I think so. I think so. I mean, it, it could be just entirely animalistic, though. Like, it could just be an accident, and sure. Bridget is adding some meaning to it. I really wasn't expecting, uh, uh fucking spoilers if you're still listening. I wasn't expecting Ginger to like die at the end. That no, was really especially grim. knowing there's a sequel and the yeah. third one. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't anticipating that at all. I thought that that was really like grim. I mean, the last yeah. shot of the movie is you know she's like looking up at all their death pictures and stuff, and then the camera pans out on Bridget just kind of hovering there over yeah. her sister's body. Uh, but I think it's ultimately just kind of like a more of a symbol of the the death of your childhood right you know the death of that time period uh-huh so uh, before yeah before adulthood starts setting yeah. in which i think is really more what bridget was dealing with is like yeah it's this a, is the end of our childhood it's a moving on instead of yeah. the 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 miraculous cure that'll turn you back into a kid here just go ahead like you're an adult now like you're you're moving into adulthood yeah yeah so yeah, I think, I think the ending was really cool. It's at the last moments of the transformation, too. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That's what they were going for there. And it, it, it hits, too. It's, it's a really good moment. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you were saying earlier that there's a connection uh-huh. in this movie to a character from a TV show whose name we could not fucking remember on, like, last week's <laughs> episode. <laughs> There's somebody yeah. here connected to fucking yeah. reboot, isn't there? Yes, uh, Jesse Moss, who plays Jason McCarty, uh, also voiced uh, a couple of characters on reboot. A couple of characters on reboot. Okay, and one of his characters' names 
was Slimy Goober. <laughs> slimy Goober, you yeah. say? Slimy Goober. Is anybody, what? any of our reboot fans out there, do you remember Slimy Goober? <laughs> Tell us about Slimy Goober. Tell me about your experience with Slimy Goober. This is the most like <laughs> reboot talkingest fucking podcast yeah. on in the world. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to start a reboot podcast. Mm, I don't think we're the guys to do that. Somebody start a reboot yeah, podcast. And make it all in the name of like getting the show back on the air again and call it Reboot Reboot. Reboot, reboot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll produce that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. You can email me questions. <laughs> Slimy goober. I can't believe there's a reboot connection. Yeah, it's crazy. It's when I saw movie. it, I was like, well, I got to bring that up. And then it was Slimy goober. And I was like, okay, that's, that's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> On a scale of one to Getty Lee, how Canadian was this movie? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. I would say... One to Getty Lee, this is a gourd. Okay, you're putting it at a gourd on the a scale? A gourd. Yeah, this is gourd. Where is that in relation to a Ryan Adams? Oh, uh, a gourd is above a Ryan Adams, but below a Rick Moranis. Okay, yeah. run on, run yeah. on. I see where this fits mm-hmm. into scale. Yeah. There's so many sorries in oh, this. Oh, man. It is covered yes. up in sorries. Lots of sorries. My what God. What were they talking about? <laughs> there was a couple of those in there, there too, man. A couple man. of boots. A couple of boots in there. A yeah. lot of stories. A lot of stories. But I'll tell you what, considering how good the original and licensed soundtrack to this flick was, I would love to heard some more Canadian bands on here, man. Yeah. Why wouldn't there some big wreck on this soundtrack? Right. Uh, we, uh, maybe some Celine Dion. Some strapping young lad. There you go. Oh, dude, why didn't we have the peanut butter solution on our list of Canadian movies? Oh, that's a good movies? point. Celine Dion's uh, finest work, I believe. <laughs> and easily the scariest Canadian movie. The scariest Canadian movie. Holy fuck. Peanut butter solution. Ugh. Yeah. God, I hate that movie. <laughs> God, I love that movie. <laughs> I love it. I hate it. Everything about it, man. Oh, man. That is so, seriously one of the weirdest movies. Because it was aimed at children. Like, if it wasn't aimed at children, uh, it, it would be less weird, but still weird. But yeah. because it was aimed at children. Extra, yeah. weird. extra weird. Extra, extra weird, man. All right, Ben. One last thing we need to talk about. Yes. How werewolfery is an STD in this. It seems that way. Yeah. It seems that it is uh, spreadable yeah. through sexual contact. Yeah. Which, I think dude, that's by interesting. The way, I love that scene where, like, you are making out. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, he does. I forgot about that. Yeah. Fuck. That was just unnecessary yeah, roughness, the man. The making out scene. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. you know what? Now that I think about it, too, whenever you watch that and you see that guy with blood coming out of his yeah. genitalia. Yeah, he's caught what she actually had. Like, so he's bleeding out of his genitalia. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you see that as a dude, you're just like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. But you don't think about it in relation to women to having women. to deal with that. All the fucking time. All the fucking time, yeah. Yeah, every fucking month. That's yes. what they're going through. Yeah. But when you see a guy going through it, he's like a little bitch about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he totally is. And he totally does, has to do the like, yeah. which, again, I've just heard from other females and stuff, that story of like, Whenever you get your first period and you're not expecting it and you bleed right. through your jeans and you're walking yeah. around trying to cover it up and right. like he has to do that. Like he goes through period shame at school. Yes. Which is a story that so many women yeah. have lived through. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it until just now. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, like I, I think for sure that Which the, is kind of funny that like I said, with with the tail thing, it might make 
women a little bit more clued into what puberty is like for guys. Oh, right. Like, so it gives you this just sort of, uh, this feeling of either side of the puberty angle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, that's why she's also getting more like aggressive mm-hmm. and I bet, but I think, I think a lot of that is supposed to be representative of how women actually feel in those moments, how they do feel aggressive sexually, but societally they're not supposed to be aggressive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love those scenes like where, you know, they're making out in the back of the car yeah. and he's like, Oh, slow down. I'm the guy. Yeah. And she's just like, Oh, you're the fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. That was awesome. <laughs> he definitely got fisted after that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, just that scene was so, so well done. And then really you think great. that she murdered him, but it right. turns out she just took it out on that little dog turns or whatever. She killed that cute little doggy. Yeah. Which is sad. Uh, it would have been sad if she killed the guy too, because again, he's done nothing he wrong really except done be a horny bad. teenager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's fine, but then he becomes more of a dick when he becomes a werewolf. But which, is it that is it that they had sex and that's what spread it to him, or was it like? because yeah. when he came to school, well, he had like open she, open scratches yeah, and shit on his him? face. Like I that, thought of it as an STD, or that's what they were going for. But yeah, she may have bitten him. Right there, uh, at Charlie the end, bit it looks me. like she bites him on the chest. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to say hard which to say. spread yeah. it. Yeah, because they made but, it very clear to be like they had unprotected yeah. sex. Well, and I like, too, how basically it manifests on him as, like, acne. <laughs> like, yes, his complexion's got, like, all yeah, shitty. He suddenly has a bad complexion, yeah. Yeah, and that's just kind of what he gets at. I mean, it's more puberty stuff, Yeah, I think. oh, man, I had the worst acne. Did you? Yeah, it was man, terrible, Man, I always dude. felt so bad for people that had to deal with that, you know? Yeah. It's like, I was, I was never in that, like, oh, what up, pizza face, or anything yeah. like that. Like, I was always just like, man, that's that sucks. Oh, my shit was terrible. Was it? Dude. I've yeah. always had really clear skin. It's like, I got some zits and stuff every now yeah. and then, but, like... I never got the full-blown yeah. acne scenario. I had a lot of friends that did. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's got to blow. I Yeah, it does. It did. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I always felt like a fucking monster. Did you take uh, that, that fucking... Accutane, yes. Yeah, you yeah. did? Did mm-hmm. it fuck you up in any kind of long-lasting way? Because I know a few people uh, that it did. It, it's bad for your liver. But yeah, that, I, I remember that, that feeling. And that that's an interesting way to present werewolfism as this it it really is a transformation from this cute little kid into this monster for a while and then adult yeah like it it's it it is a good connection like the decision to make this movie was was a real smart because like i think it works and they do it really well uh, there are complaints I have about the movie. And I guess we'll just move into. Yeah, let's final. go and get yeah. this thing on. There, there's some complaints for sure, but they're not real big ones. It's you know, it's just kind of uh, hard to connect to the teenage angst because I'm so far removed from it. Like yeah. it's just so far from my past. Like I, I can't connect to it anymore. So. That's tough, but at the same time, I think they're they're so uh, well written that it still makes them relatable, um, because you remember being a shitty teenager. 
at the very least. Like, I know I was. Yeah, yeah. if, if anything, whenever I look back on this and watch yeah. it and hate these kids, it probably because it reminds me that I was also a yeah. fucking shitty, morose teenager. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it, that's why you hate it so much. It's because you see what you were and you're like, oh, gosh, that's so embarrassing. Totally, right? and, yeah. And so, like, I think, I think because we're just embarrassed of being shitty teenagers because we're adults, uh... It, it makes it so that that's hard to watch, but it's uh, it's still really well done, really well acted. I, I like, I think everybody does a really good job in this. Like everybody uh, is able to either play up their comedy bits or be serious. Like I, I like how uh, Emily Perkins, Bridget, like even when she's serious, it's still kind of comedic with her facial expressions. Like the big eyes she'll get and stuff sometimes. Like yeah. even in serious moments, it's still a little funny. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so I think everybody does a great job. I think it looks great. Um, Shot very smart. Yeah, very fucking for smart. For a film in 2000, like, yeah, they didn't use that shit digital. Like this could be compared maybe to Dog Soldiers because they came out about the same time. They're both werewolf movies. But yeah. Dog Both soldiers kind of were shot on some of that like early digital that just uh, doesn't translate yeah, doesn't so look well. Great. Whereas Ginger Snaps still look good because it's on film. So um, I, I enjoy that bit about it. I like the effects. I think maybe the articulation on the fuller versions of the werewolf aren't great. Yeah, but there was maybe a two. A few too many like close lingering shots yeah. in the face and stuff. Yeah, like, okay, that's what I was gonna say. Is like you, if you shot that a little different, it wouldn't even be noticeable. So like it, the the effects are great. Just maybe a couple of the shots lingered a little too long. Uh, in the end though, it's it's got a great ending, really good setup, and there's a lot of good stuff in the middle. I think it could be trimmed up. Uh, for me, this is probably like a, I guess. Six and a half to seven. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm probably right there with you, honestly. Okay. I was kind of thinking around that six and a half range. Yeah. But it's funny because if you asked me for the first like three quarters of the movie, yeah. I probably would have been like, I don't know, this is like a three. Right. The ending really does redeem it. Ending really does yeah. pull it together very uh-huh. well, man. Uh, this is one of those ones that I would even say might be in that rare camp of like movies that kind of warrant a, a second swing. They do. I mean, because I. If there's I, a remake I, of this, I'd be interested. Yeah. I, I, I might even uh, watch the sequel. Because people tend to like the sequel, it might be good. Maybe, maybe she survives somehow. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> read up on it. I just read that people liked it. I'd so. scope it out. Yeah, you know, I would definitely scope it out. Uh, but if there was like a remake of this, and there could be more stuff about, you know, more of like a cyberbullying kind of aspect yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and, I can and, see that. And even just you know the attitude of like still these ideas of like female sexuality and female puberty and periods yeah. and stuff like that like, really hasn't changed that much. I wonder if it has. I don't care. I'm not going to go hang out with teenagers to find out. Fuck no. Fuck no. (laughs) Hey, what are you doing, kids? (laughs) What do we think about periods? (laughs) But I think if there's like a less obviously dated, less obviously Canadian take on this story, I think it would probably connect with a lot of people now. (laughs) You know? You think the Canadianism is is getting in the way? It might get in the way of a lot of people. People are like, people are watching it and they're like, oh, I'm getting desires to watch hockey. Turn field hockey. Field hockey. This isn't my experience. They say. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't mind if they took another swing at it. But it's like you said. I think it's very smartly uh, shot for being on such a small budget. Yeah. 
I think that a lot of the ways that they showed the the wolves and the special effects and stuff were very clever mm-hmm. in that a lot of it was kind of theater of the mind, like we were talking yeah. about. A lot of it's unseen stuff. A lot of it's just kind of like quick things that flash across the screen, but you can still kind of connect the dots and tell what was going on without it just showing you explicitly, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overacting, Yeah, I think, in a lot of this. But yeah. but then again, I mean, these teenagers are just fucking overdramatic and stuff anyway. That is true. I mean... That's true of teenagers. Yeah. So I don't even know if I can fault it for that per se, you know? I was very annoyed by the characters, and I do think that if they would have been, like, slightly more likable or, like, let's just say slightly misunderstood rather than just being... Right. Fucking... Right. You know, goth teens where, where with no actual actually complaints. Where like, interesting human beings you would want to talk to, but people just kind of take them the wrong way. That's a yeah. more interesting character than, like, if you do get to know him, you're like, oh. You're just an asshole. This sucks. Yeah, you're a fucking brat. <laughs> yeah. But most, of the, most of the times in this, is like, yeah, they're just fucking brats. Yeah. You know? Uh, I think I would have liked the movie better if I could enjoy those characters a little bit more. But still, at the end of the day, I mean, the way that the, the women and the family just stuck up for each other unconditionally, Yeah. yeah. I found extremely endearing and yeah. it wasn't in this like really forced you know no, time was, life movie kind of way yeah because like it, it had that whole we hate our mom feel throughout it and the mom just had that whole i understand my daughters like i know what they're going through yeah like, and I'll, I'll stick I'll up for just, them no yep. matter what the fuck is going on yep so i enjoyed that aspect of it too so yeah i think i'm i'm gonna end up with you there right at around like a, a six and a half i'm not like itching to watch it again yeah I, yeah i, I watched I it a couple times and yeah the second time watching it through i was like uh, it's just too slow like yeah I, the pacing I, is yeah. probably the biggest problem for the uh, movie for me i think that there's 15 or 20 that could be cut off of this there there's a there's a good bit of uh awesome stuff in there well worth a watch yeah totally yeah. and it's streaming right now on shutter yeah free. yeah just hit shutter uh march 2nd so yeah. Go check it out. Go check it out. And be sure to check out next week's episode in which we're going to be talking about misery. misery. Looking forward to that one. Misery. Yeah. That's a song. Uh-huh. We just wrote it. No, I was, I was thinking of... Um, oh, fuck. Oh, uh, Elliot Smith? Misery. Oh. No, it's it's <laughs> the one that Weird Al did a parody of that was watching oh, my TV. Right. Yes. Was it that... Was that Soul Asylum? Yeah, I think it was Soul Asylum. Soul Asylum. Yeah, haven't run thought about away, them in a while. Never going back. Run away on a one-way trip. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure to tune in for uh, Misery next week. It's going to be a fun one, and we'll be talking about that here real soon. Yeah, Steve, are. where can they follow us on them social media? At Dead Lovely Pod yeah, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. YouTube, YouTube forward slash Dead and Lovely. H U G H tube.com uh-huh. facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely yes We're f-a-s-e book our asses are everywhere you guys can track us down wherever you want hell yeah also the big and patreon.com head on over patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely uh become a five dollar patron and you can help decide which movies we cover that's right dun, we, dun, dun, dun. We drop in a suggestion we draw that suggestion out of a hat and suddenly yeah. you're listening to your motherfucking episode and guess what ginger snaps was one of those i can't remember who recommended it yeah God that was in it. the pile though but when i saw it i was like well if it doesn't get picked i'm let's do it in march and so we did it here we are yeah. so you guys be sure to check out that patreon page sign up today and start reaping the benefits yeah 
Well, thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. We'll be seeing you guys in about a week talking about misery, and I'll be talking about VGM Con and all my shenanigans up in Minneapolis. Uh, I want to go to the Chelsea and get abducted by Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, okay. He's still doing that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? I mean, why would he retire? He's like number one in the Dahmer game. That's true. Kind, yeah. of, kind of got the market corner, doesn't yep. he? Yeah. Totally. So hopefully I'll come back with some uh, some fun stories about getting my skull drilled open and filled full of battery acid. I don't know if you'll be able to tell those stories, but they'll be visible. Yeah, you can I'll tell them tell about I'll tell the it. story, and you'll just moan. And I'll go, oh! oh. I'll make sex zombie noises. Guys, next episode, me talking lucidly and Ben oh. going, oh! oh. <laughs> I, at some point, I'll pull out a torch and just aim it at you. Yeah. Fire bird! <laughs> so get that pitchfork out and run me out of my own home. I want to appreciate yep. that. All right, you guys have been fantastic. We've been dead and lovely. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. That ain't recording. Hey. Turn over that light. <laughs> so, Ben, let me pitch you a little movie idea that I had the other day. All right, I got my mid out. I'm ready mm. to catch you. Go ahead and All pitch right. this thing. Fastball that picture motherfucker. Picture this. All right. There's a man. He's in Brisbane. Brisbane. Walking the streets. Walking home from Macca's. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Drinking up a big, the biggest Fosters you've ever seen. All oh, they drink yeah. in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's it. Australian for beer. Uh-huh. So if you try to order a beer, you have to say Fosters. Have to say Fosters. So unfortunately for you, you can't get, any, you can't be like, is it, wait, is it kind of like in the South how we call every soda Coke? Everything's a Coke. Yeah. Right. Go for a Fosters, meaning yeah. literally any beer. <laughs> Maybe it is like that. Maybe it yeah. is like that. Huh. Anyway. I'll have a Budweiser Fosters. Right. So he's got the biggest Fosters you've ever seen. <laughs> he's swatting drop bears off left and right. Oh God. They're all over get the place. Here, drop bear. All these damn drop bears. Crikey. Oi. Anyway, so he's walking home. It's at night, right? I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. You hear some flitting behind him. Suddenly, it's upon him. A bite on the neck. Oh, oh, chomped. He wakes up the next day. Oh, what happened to me? He's in his own bed. It's nighttime. He walks out. He's got a sudden thirst for blood. So thirsty. I've got to have some blood, mate. Out bacula. Out bacula. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a yes. fucking hell of a title. Yeah. Out Bacula. It's like Howling Three Marsupials, but vampires. I'll take it. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Married with Children was weird. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. It's a show that does not hold up. Like, in the time, it was like, yeah, right. Man, fuck political correctness. And now it's like, if you watch that, it's like, well, yeah, I bet. That Trump fans are way into this. <laughs> the guy who's like, yeah, men's rights. Remember he had like a men's rights thing? I never watched that show. Oh, you I didn't? was never allowed to watch that show. Oh, My mom said it was too trashy. he had a men's rights group called No Ma'am. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was this done ironically? Uh, I, I, th- okay. Here's the thing. Because I was a tween to teen watching Married with Children. I can say assuredly the message that comes across to a tween to teen was Al Bundy is cool and right. Uh-huh. Especially because every time he walked on screen, 
everybody applauded like crazy. The man is here. Woo! Obviously, when your pal Al Bundy comes in to tell you that women have taken over the world and men don't have rights anymore in 1992. <laughs> no, ma'am. My God. And he always talked about fat. Why? Well, this isn't about married with children. <laughs> he would always talk about fat women coming into the shoe store. That was like his thing. Like, huh? The big joke. Sounds like a confusing show. It was. I don't think I know anything about that show. It's not worth talking about, but okay. I just did for a long period of time. So <laughs> let's get back to the thing worth talking about. <laughs>